Brian Noonan is playing on the radio, baby. I'm better looking, I have better hair, I'm deceivingly smart, and I want everyone else to do what I say. What do you do? I'm a communicator. Must be a new kind of thing. I want to thank Brian Noonan for going on. Holy s***! Brian's back! Bullets. Glad you're with me. Brian Noonan in for Nick DeGilio, 720 WGN. Oh, my goodness. We are here till 5 in the a.m. I don't know why I said 5 in the a.m. Nobody talks like that except Jive Radio guys. But it's uh, we're here till 5 in the morning. Uh, Sam Martino is producing the hardest working man in show business. So if you call in at 312-981-7200, which we hope you will do because the show is always more fun when you're involved. Be nice to Sam because if you're nice to him, you get to me. So that's the phone number. That is also the text line. If you want to text, uh, you know, use that number. We read them. Sometimes we read them on the air. Sometimes we just curse your name because uh, we do have your number. And we ke- listen. We're keeping track of those numbers. But anyway, that's the phone. That's the text three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Social media: Brian Noonan Show on Facebook and Twitter. We will keep you up to date on everything there. So uh, follow us if you choose. Big show, big show. Man, we're going to talk movies in a few minutes. Blake Stubbs is going to join us. You've heard Blake on with Nick before. We are going to talk about the winners and losers of the summer and then look forward because now, oh man, it's Labor Day. So now we got to look into the fall movie season. Some big movies coming out. We'll talk about some of those. And today is Labor Day. Why is it Labor Day? How did Labor Day come to be? What does How big a part in the labor movement in the United States does Chicago play? I can't tell you any of that. I can tell you some, but Professor Kevin Kaufman is the host of the History of the United States podcast. He is going to join us after 2 o'clock. We're going to talk all about the labor movement in Chicago and in the country. After 3 o'clock, I'm throwing the doors open of the Overnight Arcade. Yes, oh, the game is back. And uh, because Tuesday is the first day of school for uh, Chicago Public Schools, we are going to get in the scholastic mood and do scholastic bowl questions. These are actual middle school scholastic bowl questions. We will see uh, how smart you really are as we all get ready to go back to school. Then we'll talk about, uh, we'll continue talking about school because we all, everybody looks forward to the beginning of the year. Sam, I know you're very, very excited that school is starting. You look about 12 years old. I know you're in, what, eighth grade, uh, maybe a junior in high school. You're going back, but... Every memory of school is not that great. Perhaps a teacher has scarred you for life. We will talk about those those moments. Uh, also, before we get out of here this morning, uh, surprising news for high school sports in the state, especially one sport in particular. So we've got we got a lot to get to, and I I can barely stand up because I started back at the gym on Saturday after a little uh, way too long a hiatus. I was like because I, I started back. Most of you, Sam, you might not know this because uh, you've only known me in this state. But eight years ago, I weighed almost 400 pounds and I lost 160 pounds. Over the last few years, some of the pounds have come back and I've, uh, I've put the brakes on that. And now I've been a couple weeks back into my healthier eating and living. And uh, part of that has been walking more, but I had to get back to the gym because there was, there was a stretch of about three, four years where I was going to the gym six times a week. I was insane. And then a couple of years ago, it started to dwindle a little bit, 
But anyway, so now, uh, yesterday, and I... I didn't make the mistake that a lot of people do. When you haven't gone to the gym in a while, you go in and you try to really overdo it. And you go, yeah, I can lift up, man. I can lift a bazillion pounds. Look at me. I can do 857 crunches. I went in and I worked out pretty good for an hour, but I didn't overdo it. Except, um, and I'm not asking you to, to uh, massage me or anything, Sam, so don't go to HR. But the inside of my thighs is very sore. The uh, the muscles on the just on the inside, I don't know why. I, I don't know if it's so. At some point, I may just crumple, and you may say, "Well, why are you standing up then instead of sitting down?" Uh, because I'm trying to stay awake. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so that's the only. It's it's one of those things. It it's that good kind of pain. You're an athletic guy, right? You work out. Yeah, yeah. I do. In fact, I wrestled for 14 years. Actually. Did you really? I did. Wow. You've never seen the scar on my arm? No. Oh, yeah. Good That's Lord. a great story. Yeah, actually, is- girlfriend came at me with a knife. Is that what? No. no that broke. would be a better story. No. Would that- somebody snap your arm during a wrestling match? Yeah, I bumped up two weight classes, and I went to throw the guy. When I threw the guy, I posted my arm up, and my arm went... Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, 18-pound difference came crashing down. So Wow. That's yeah. all it takes? 18 pounds? 18 pounds you, of fast Like aviary, aviary bone syndrome? That little brittle bird syndrome? I wish not. <laughs> wow, that's horrible. Yeah, it was. It felt It felt horrible. Did it end your wrestling career? It was my last match. My was it really? Year. It was. Ryan Regionals, uh, St. Charles East High School. Wow, represent. Represent fighting saints. Are you wearing a sniglet right now? No. Or a singlet? No. Is that what they call it? No, no, no. That is what they call it, right, though? That, that's the, the wrestling deal? And they do... When you're wrestling in high school, you got to wear the ear stuff so nobody rips your ears off. Yep, headgear, cauliflower, a little pus coming out. Nope. All right, wow, that's uh, that's a little too gross. But uh, thank you for being very descriptive. I li- it's theater of the mind. You've painted a horrible picture, but we we all now can see a. Uh, it's one a.m. What can I say? I don't know. And you've been you've been here since ten thirty this morning. I have. This is uh, quite frankly ridiculous. Good for you. I'm. <laughs> I hope we. I made it at least. Uh, we'll we'll try to make it easy for you the final four hours. But then you have to stay like six more hours to podcast everything that you've been doing all day. I'm here till seven. Wow, that's and uh, well, it is Labor Day, but part of Labor Day was them fighting for an eight-hour workday. Uh, <laughs> obviously, nobody in the early labor movement was a radio producer. Apparently wow. not. All right. Well, because you came out, uh, we'll give a little behind the scenes. You, I was, uh, I was doing my work, getting the show ready as I always do, and it was about midnight. And I'm thinking, now you and I have been communicating, so I knew you were, I knew you were planning on being here. I knew you had, uh, you knew the show, what time the show started, but I hadn't seen you, and I was like, I wonder where Sam is. Uh, and all of a sudden, you came stumbling out of the back. Your hair disheveled. You had one of those weird airplane pillows around your neck, and I was like, "Did you just get off a flight? You, <laughs> you've been you'd been napping in one of our spacious uh, huddle rooms, right? A quality nap time. Quality nap I time. You got to get the nap. Nap away to stay awake. I've listened. otherwise I'm gonna be like you and stay no, in here behind the booth. I tried to to take a nap today. In fact, I, you know, the plan was. Um, my wife and I were trying to figure out, you know, because it's the last weekend of summer, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you know what? Let me, I'll I'll cook dinner, but we'll have dinner at like 2.30 or 3 o'clock, so we'll have a nice dinner, maybe a, uh, a couple glasses of wine, and then I'll be ready to take a nap. You can't, if you're not used to napping during the day, you can't just go, yeah, today's the day I nap. It, 
I'm laying in bed. Oh my god, and my mind is running around like. And then you're try- like, well, I got to get up soon, so go to sleep. And you, no, I'm not going to sleep. And your <laughs> your mind just keeps buzzing. And, uh, just, so then I get in, and uh, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Let's do this because uh, Blake Stubbs is waiting. He's waiting patiently in our uh, palatial green room to come in. We're going to talk movies. I'm looking forward to it. So let's do this, and then we'll do that. 312-981-7200. If you want to get involved in the conversation, if you have any thoughts on uh, summer movies that you thought were great or uh, questions for Blake about maybe movies that are coming up in the fall, we'll get to all of that and so much more after this. 720 WGN. Brian Noonan in for Nick D, 720 WGN. You know on uh, Monday mornings, Nick and Tom and Nick's crew, they talk a lot about movies. And uh, I love the movies. I feel bad. This summer I haven't really seen a lot of movies, but the fall is coming. New movies are here. Blake Stubbs is in the studio with me, which is a nice change. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. You hear Blake. Uh, all, I've talked to Blake before on the phone, so it's yes. nice to see you in person. Uh, Blake is on with John. He's on with uh, He's on with Dane. He's, you're all over the place. I float. That's you the do. easiest way, I think, it's, to say it. But it's yeah. great, and you were in town, so it's it's lovely yeah. to have you in. Yeah, in it's person. a heck of a weekend in Chicago for me. I, uh, I started out, I went to AEW All Out with okay. a bunch of friends. We're all lifelong wrestling fans, so that was like a dream <laughs> true going to the pay-per-view oh yeah um long show but cool show great wrestling and then today i went to the cubs game and then i snuck a little nap in there and then i thought you know what i'll come into studio if 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 we can make that work out so i'm I'm happy this is awesome it's 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 great to have you let's start with the weekend because uh i haven't seen any of this franchise and yet angel has fallen with gerard uh, butler is the number one film at the box office this week now this is the the third in the in this series, yes, it was it was what the uh, Olympus has fallen, then London has then fallen, London has fallen, and now, and Angel, now Angel has fallen, and yes. Angel is the Angel is the present, the present. Right? Well, the Angel in this case is Gerard Butler's character, Mike. He's Banning. the guardian. He's angel. the guardian okay. angel of the present. I mean, because he's sort of ascended through the Secret Service to not only become you know Eagle Detail, the guy that right. protects the president, but also like essentially he's getting to the point where he's going to be head of the Secret Service, okay. and so. Everything goes awry. Uh, I mean, to say that that's like an understatement. Yes. Uh, Nick Nolte shows up in this movie. Right it's, there, you say that sentence. I know things have gone awry. Yes. It's and, and I mean, here's the thing: if you tell me Nick Nolte's going to be this grizzled former like veteran who probably has a lot of issues he's never dealt with, and and is going to make an impact, and actually he plays um, Butler's father in okay. the film, um, who who's trying to stay off the grid and gets dragged back in, and it's this whole it, these action movies. And this is something that I found interesting: is that Gerard Gerard Butler, and I'm I'm quoting uh, another critic. I, I believe it's a uh, uh, Bill Giaberry out of out of New York. He he mentioned how like Gerard Butler is like an action star who gets put in movies that feel like they're amalgamations of other action stars movies. So yeah. think like it's like they borrow from Liam Neeson, Bruce Willis, and like maybe a little bit of Tom Cruise, and then they just like it's like a blender, and then okay. they give it to Gerard Butler. But here's the thing: even if these movies aren't considered excellent, Butler is consistently good in them. Okay. He fits the bill for what we want in an action star, even if the films are a little too wild and a little too flimsy compared to, I don't know, say something like Mission Impossible Fallout, okay. which to me was one of the best action films of the last few oh, years. Wow, okay. And I saw it three times in theaters. I was in love with that movie. So I, this particular film, the fact that it's doing well for uh, what its projections are holding, I think it's doing it's doing okay, and it has its, it's held the box office this weekend. It's made $40 million. Which is its second weekend, and I think it's on its way to doing okay. The question is, is it going to drop off yeah. with the onset of It Chapter 2? 
which I'm not trying to jump too yeah, far into my preview, Friday, but right? yeah, that's this week. So there's there's some hope that the movie will hold hold steady and keep making a little money. I think that the vibe for the movie is pretty good. The critical response is like what you'd expect. Yeah. It's you know, but overall, it's considered mm-hmm. by some an entertaining action movie. And again, I think that is a lot to Butler. I think that that, that this guy that for some reason is a good actor. Yeah, and regardless of what he's in, he stays consistently good. And as long as he continues to do that, I think his movies are going to do okay. So these are uh, these are fun kind of action yes. thing to get away and yeah. see cuz i like i said i haven't i remember when the seeing the trailers for all of them and not realizing oh they've got a uh, they got a little franchise going here yeah yeah and so, then with this one they everybody comes out oh the third in the franchise oh yeah yeah the fallen franchise and what kind of kind of throws me off is that i feel like unless we're getting geared up to see big event type action movies yeah there's only a few franchises that people really go out to see. One being the, the example I'll always give is John Wick. Yeah. If there's a John Wick movie out, we're going to the theater. Now, I'm a huge John Wick proponent. I think there's something in those movies that is akin to everything I've ever loved about action movies growing okay. up. There's a charismatic lead. We love Keanu. Like we're in the Keanu sense is what we're. It's being called. Yeah. Now. This I was going to mention. I wanted to talk when we're. Well, we'll talk about it now since you brought yeah. it up. This summer, it was like the summer of Keanu. It was. Between yeah. the, the new John Wick, John Wick 3. Yes. Uh, Parabellum, was it? Par- uh, yes, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. And yeah. then he was the voice of the uh, the Daredevil guy in Toy Story yes. 4. Yes, Duke so, Kaboom. Yes, I Duke yeah. Kaboom. Everybody, it was like he went away and then reinvented himself as this action guy. Yeah. Because when the first John Wick came out, everybody seemed a little skeptical, myself included. Yeah. I love the first two. Uh, I haven't seen the third one yet, though. <laughs> so I won't spoil anything because okay. that's been the one movie that I have probably pushed people to see more okay. than anything else this summer. This movie is not revving up the intensity, I think, as much as what two was because two kind of like really picked up, yeah. like a blockbuster level. It was almost of, uh, Yes, um, <laughs> this movie stays about on keel with that, but the intensity of each scene. Because it's more like uh, I've, I've I've sort of said it's akin to like watching good musical theater. Yeah. Because musical theater, when it's really at its height, has all the songs hit and they have narrative beats that like help forward the story along. Right. That's how they treat the action sequences in this. And if you know a little bit about how these movies are made, like the guy directing these movies and and sort of like ushering how they're shot and everything is Chad Stahelski, who was Keanu's stunt double on The Matrix. Films. Oh, okay. So they've known each other for over 20 years. Yeah. Their working relationship is outstanding. And you can tell that the camera loves Keanu and Keanu loves the camera when you're watching these movies. Right. Like they're some of my favorite shot movies of the year, even though like, you know, cinematography is always my favorite category at the Oscars. Yeah. I, as much as I always want to like throw John Wick <laughs> movies in there, like I know that I got to keep it real perspective wise. <laughs> However, you're in for a treat when you go see okay. a John Wick film. And Parabellum is a, I think it's an elevation of the style of what they want these movies to be. Yeah. Um, I think the world building continues to get, it gets a little bigger. I think okay. that the characters are interesting enough that we're like, we're not just here for Keanu. There's a little more dish yeah. to this one. And, I think that um, you know Halle Berry and the dogs. You're in for a treat when you go in there too. Okay, that, that sequence alone is. I think it's it's a long action sequence, but it's an action sequence that gets more and more intense as it goes on. Okay. And I think you might be surprised at how cool certain things play off in that movie. So yeah, I that's a movie that had a good theatrical run. I mean, it made yeah, it money. Did. 
they're going to continue to make them. I think we're due for another one in 2021. Okay. So uh, they they pretty much announced that I think after like the first week. As long John as Keanu can keep doing it. Yeah, and as long and that's the thing. Like I think he's totally willing to keep doing it because all the stuff that it you know, takes for him to get ready for those movies. That's yeah. stuff he enjoys doing anyway. Right. So, um, and he, it's funny. The reason why I think we all love Keanu so much is that when you watch him in any interview, he's like the most humble, like yeah, down to earth guy. And, and then there was the whole big thing about, you know, how he, when he takes pictures with people. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden he's come back, like you said, the Keanu sense. Yes. He's he's back. And, well, and we've got are. a Bill and Ted movie coming that you know fans right. of that cult series have been wanting for so long. And I don't even know if I'd call it a cult series. It's just it's one of those like staples. I think when I was a little yeah. kid. Oh, and yeah. now it's like, wait, they're going to do another one. I'm all in on this. Like whatever this guy wants to do. Like he, it's it's like having that friend who's like, well, I'm going to go do this thing now. And you're like, you know what? I like everything this guy does. Yeah. I'm all about it. And here's the thing that I've always thought about Keanu is that I think he is a good actor. I think he's a good actor with a good range if used properly. Right. I don't think he has, like... I'm not going to cast him like I would Gary Oldman. Right. <laughs> but I would definitely cast him like I would anyone in the... Like Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone oh, category. Yeah. But he's also had some pretty good romantic roles. You know, I mean, right. he can, he he can flex. The, what's the one in uh, Netflix? Uh, Always Be My Always Maybe. Always Be My Maybe. He and he kind of steals... Like, yeah. he gets to steal his show, his like, the show and his scenes, and he's really enjoyable in that right. movie and hilariously funny. And the people he's working with are funny. Like, he can build chemistry, I think, with yes. a lot more people than he's ever been given credit for. And I think well, now he's just making really good choices. And he started out, you know, it was all, it was kind of the same character at the beginning. It yeah. was the Bill and Ted guy. And yep. even when he was in Point Break, it was Bill and Ted, Ted. joined the yeah. FBI. Yeah. You know, well, so. watch him in The Parenthood. He's essentially yes. playing, uh, you know, he's playing the Bill and Ted vibe yeah. the whole time. So, exactly. yeah. So now he's and he, but he is completely believable as John Wick. Absolutely, there, and I think that he he proved that with Speed. I mean, all the way back. back That's then. a good one too. That's a very good recommendation for somebody who wants to get that early action vibe, Keanu, yeah. and see what he was all about. I think he his intensity and speed helped sell the movie. I think his chemistry with Sandra Bullock was was pretty good. Oh, yeah. I also think that his work with Jeff Daniels, if I'm being honest, like Jeff Daniels is like an emotional yeah. crux of that movie and he's outstanding in it. And the other thing is is that, you know, that's a really solid 90s action movie. That if you're like, you know what, I just want to throw something on and watch it. I think you'll probably get sucked in. I mean, Dennis yeah. Hopper alone oh, yeah, might suck crazy. you right in, but yeah. Blake Stubbs is in the studio with me. We're talking movies. On the other side of the news, we're going to st- I want to ask you one quick question about the summer and then we're going to start looking at the fall because there's a, a number of movies that i'm excited about uh i'm sure that you have a lot that you're excited about we'll talk about that if you have a question for blake 312-981-7200 you can follow blake on twitter at blake stubbs uh let's do this then it's news time 720 wgn thank you don it is brian Newman in for nick d blake stubbs is in the studio with me we are talking movies all right we're just a real quick recap of the summer uh, nothing bigger than Avengers Endgame, right? That no, was, not that even was close. The, that was the movie. That was the event. That was the one movie I saw this summer. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't wait. I, I did wait like a week only because I hate that uh, the first week crush. First, yeah, yeah. But then it, it got to the point where I was like, I know I'm going to hear something that's going to spoil it, so I have to you get gotta there. You got to go. Yeah. And it was wonderful. Uh, other big winners, what the Lion King did pretty well. Lion this King summer. did well. Toy Story did well. Toy Story Four did well. Spider Man Far From Home did very well. In fact, okay. it was the first Spider Man movie I think to eclipse a billion. Like really? it, it passed. Yeah. Uh, the other ones for me, big movies this summer that yeah. aren't necessarily Disney, uh, because Disney are like everything, everything we just went, yeah. we just mentioned. 
Um, I was a big fan of The Farewell, which okay. did which did very well. Um, it was with and Aquafina. Aquafina, yes, very intimate family story. That okay. honestly, um, I'm of the mind that if Roger Ebert were still with us, that would be playing at Ebert Fest. Oh wow! This okay. next year or the year after, because I think he would have loved it. Okay, um, and or at least the the message of it. You know, I mean, I you know, you never know what a critic's going to think of something from a technical standpoint, but. Right. I, it, it definitely hit all the beats that, you know, as a Midwestern guy like Roger, yeah. like I, I totally was like, I'm all in for this movie. And oh, I was cool. only, I think, like through the first act, I was like, they've won me over. And and it wow. has actors that aren't necessarily familiar to American audiences because they're, it's primarily a Chinese family. Yeah. Um, there are a few uh, select actors you might recognize, but on the whole, it's like. I like going in and seeing a movie where I don't really know anybody and I can just, you know, take it for what it right. is. And then you're there for the story. But they totally sucked me in. So right. if you get a chance to see The Farewell, and I believe you still can here in Chicago, yes. you should get out and see that movie. Okay. Um, it will likely be considered at the Oscars. I hope it is. Uh-huh. Uh, it's that well made. And it's picked up a huge following, at least on Twitter. Uh, the director, uh, she, um, it's her family story. And so audiences are seeing this in more places than you would think because okay. of the success that it's had. And now it's not making Endgame money, <laughs> but but it's the type of movie that because of its budget and the fact that it was produced, you know, in two countries and it's done so well, it's it's expanding. So you're okay. getting more chances to see it. Nice. Um, Rocket Man was 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 fun. It was good. It's okay. a cool jukebox musical take yeah. on Elton John's life. Different than Bohemian Rhapsody, which was trying to be like a biography type film. I'm going to be honest. This is going to be... Uh, people are going to be very upset with me. I finally watched Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. uh, the other night. Yeah. I, no, I didn't care no one, for it. I'm not going to be mad with okay. you because I was not a huge fan of the movie. Now... I that can respect the I performances. Right. That doesn't mean I don't like Queen or Freddie Mercury. Oh, I love Queen and Freddie Mercury. I, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> the teeth. I I guess I never paid attention to Freddie Mercury's teeth before. Right. I couldn't stop. I was fixated on those teeth. <laughs> it was nonstop. I'm like, this guy looks like Donald Duck. And I don't. Or, yeah. but you, and I was like, and it pulled me out of it a lot. And I, I feel like that movie, to me, and, and it's because I've, I've, spent a lot of time like listening to stories about queen and and freddie and the creative process and things like when you know the timeline of queen you know that like the band never really broke up you know that like (laughs) you know uh i think they tried to talk about how like in 1981 that's when they were doing something with uh we will rock you that's the scene that was in like 77 when we will rock you was released (laughs) like they play with things where it's like i know they're trying to tell a story here but it's bothering me and that's hard for me to disconnect when i know those things now was it is it the same thing with rocket man because i haven't seen no so rocket man is a more of a jukebox music Okay. where like his music fuels the narrative but it pays no attention to when certain songs oh, okay. came out so like saturday night's all right for fighting is like him as a kid singing it and that's how they transition him into ah, an adult okay it's like that doesn't make but if it's a jukebox musical sure, you can do sense. that yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. so the music fuels the story as opposed to the music being released at certain times is like oh well this is where his career really not really took off. no that doesn't that's not how it plays okay. it's more you're going to like it, I think, because the performances are good. Yeah. And honestly, Dexter Fletcher, who was the the director who had to usher in Bohemian Rhapsody after Brian Singer's departure, um, he directed Rocket Man. Okay. So there's a lot of similarities in how the film looks. Um, how the does uh, John have giant teeth? Uh, he does not have. Right, he has good. he I'm has in. prosthetic teeth, but he doesn't have giant teeth. <laughs> All right. uh, they're a little less distracting. Good. Um, and then. Honestly, a couple other movies worth mentioning. I uh, Midsummer, Ari Aster's uh, horror. It was like a. It's the slow burn horror film that like really. It's the sequel, not sequel. It's the second. The sorry, 
I need to say this correctly. It's the follow-up to Hereditary, which was a big okay, success. Right, yes. um, it didn't make as much money as Hereditary. In fact, I think it almost made about half, but it just had a re-release this weekend with a director's right. cut. It's a long film, but I think the performances in it alone are worth watching. Uh, okay. Florence Pugh is... It's one of the performances I would argue you shouldn't miss if you are a movie lover and you want to see great oh, wow. acting. Okay. She really kills it in that movie. Midsummer. Um, yeah, Midsummer. And then, and, but by the way, it's a disturbing film, so leave the kids at home. And you know, if you're easily offended, maybe don't go see that one. But I did like Midsummer. And then finally, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, I wanted to ask, because that's still doing well at the box office. Yes. There's, everybody's talking about it. Uh, 108 people, million last I checked. Some people seem to love it. Other people, it's very polarizing, I it guess, is. is the way. Yeah. There's no middle ground on this one. There's two particular scenes in the film that I feel are the most divisive elements of it, and it's not the ending. Okay. Now, I'm not trying to spoil anything, right, but right. whatever you think you know about the history of you know August 9th, 1969... You're gonna, it, it's gonna help you, but at the same time, don't expect what you think you're gonna see. Like, okay. it's Tarantino. Right. That's what, it's all I'm gonna say. Okay. But there are two scenes in the movie, one in particular with uh, Brad Pitt's character, Cliff Booth, that has very much caused uh, a lot of discussion about okay. what is being implied here. Um, how do we feel about this character afterwards? And I think what's important about all of that, and the other sequence is the scene with Bruce Lee. Okay. Um, those two scenes are within the same sequence of the film. And to me, that's some of the better editing of the film because it kind of goes layers deep. Like there's oh, okay. Brad Pitt having this moment, like reflecting on this thing that happened. Then it goes into the flashback of him having that moment. And then within that, there's a flashback within that. Oh, and then geez. they come back up into the first flashback and then out into the reality <laughs> of it. And in the end, it's all in Brad Pitt's head. Okay. And so whether you take it literally you're going to have certain reactions to it. Whether you take it from the standpoint of, well, it's all how Brad Pitt saw it, or his character, Cliff right, Booth, right, right. Um, it, it'll change your impression of the film. Now, if you if you love Tarantino, you're probably going to enjoy this film. Okay. I'm not saying you're definitely going to, but you're probably going to. I enjoyed this a great deal. I have seen it three times. Uh, yeah. I'm gearing up for a fourth this wow. week before it leaves theaters, because I don't know when that's going to happen. Okay. But I want to see it again. Okay. And I think it's a, one of the richest cinematic experiences of the year from the craft standpoint. Okay. So the acting is superb, whether you like what these characters do or not. The cinematography, Bob Richardson just kills it. I mean, nice. it's it's outstanding. And he works so well with Tarantino. And then, of course, you got Quentin's dialogue. It's his yeah. style. His soundtracks are better than anybody else's. Right, it's like, yeah. you know, all the things that you would hope for out of a two-hour and 41-minute Tarantino film, you get. Okay. You will get your money's worth when you watch this. Now, if you're very uh, astute in like when things play and where things play, you might have had a chance to see it in 70 millimeter at the Music Box. Right. I did one of the three times yeah. I saw it. I, I saw it there. That was an awesome experience because that was a super hot crowd. Not everybody's going to get that experience. Yeah. So when you go in, like I don't know at this point in its release, I would say try to go like on a Sunday matinee when like maybe no one's there, right. and then you get your own take on how this film plays. And that, I think, is the only way to really experience it right now. Um, and and I, I did enjoy it, though. So I think it's going to be uh, talked about it come Oscar season, big All time. Right, let's take a quick break, and then we've got to get to some movies that are coming out uh, soon, because I have uh, questions. I know we've got a big one coming out this Friday with It Chapter 2. So Blake Stubbs is here. We're going to talk more movies with Blake on the other side, 720 WGN. Brian Noonan in for Nick D, talking movies with Blake Stubbs. You can follow Blake on Twitter at Blake Stubbs. All right, we've talked about the summer. We've lived in the past. Now we must look to the future. 
Yes. Uh, the fall movie season is upon us. I can't believe I'm saying that sentence. Uh, <laughs> it makes me a little bit sad. But um, I will say I do. No, I cannot read a Stephen King book. I have tried many times. I don't need 72 pages to des- to describe the drapes. Mm-hmm. But I watched the first the first installment of the of it. Yes. And this week, it chapter two comes out. These are the the lo- the Losers Club. Twenty seven years later. So years this is later. the last. This is the second half of the book. Yes. Which is where I was a little. You know, as I knew this was happening, I knew they were splitting it. Of course. But as I'm watching the first one, I'm like, oh, it, I, the second one should be here already. I need, I, I need, need to it finish now. it up. Yes. Yeah. I, so have you? What do we? What do we know about this second chapter? We know that uh, uh, by and large, everyone who's cast in this film to play the older versions of the kids that honestly I thought were all solid actors yeah, yeah. in the first one. They were very good. Um, everyone's like a home run. So yeah. the Bill big Hader, star is going to be Bill, yeah, Bill Hader, James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain. Um, the, in particular, I'm hearing a lot of buzz about Bill Hader. I'm okay. hearing he's like a superstar in this movie. Nice. And look, if you're watching Barry, you know that yeah, he's... Bill Hader's... Bill, Bill Hader's, Hader's not just the guy from SNL anymore. Right. Okay? Bill Hader is, has always been more than that. Yeah. But now he's getting to play. Yeah. And now it's, you know, he's kind of... I think he's on his way to getting a blank check to okay. whatever Bill Hader wants to do. And yeah. if this film is one of those big transition pieces film-wise for him, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, the other thing is uh, Bill Skarsgård is back as Pennywise. Ugh. And let's talk about that performance from the first one. Too Pretty creepy. scary, yeah, man. Like, very scary. And that's what we needed. I, I didn't want someone to come and try to do what Tim Curry did in the TV miniseries version of this story. Although, right. look... Don't ever say an ill word about Tim Curry. I'm just going to throw that out <laughs> there. Right. I love Tim Curry. However, this was different, right. and it needed to be, and it was scary. It was the scary. voice, the look, the fact that he can his eyes look a certain way. Yeah. All of that stuff is just home run material. And the director who is doing both films, um, uh, Muschietti, I think is his last name, or Muschietti. I forget how you actually pronounce his last name, but yeah. Um, all of these actors kind of dove in head first. I, I read a, a quick little snippet about how Chastain had to do a scene where she was in like a bathtub of blood, but it's Ooh. like she's standing in it and she's covered in it. And it took like most of the day to film it. Now I actually have experience with fake blood being covered in it in a short <laughs> film. So let me tell you, if somebody says that's what we're doing today, you're in for probably the most miserable filming experience you've ever had because the stuff will dry. It will get crusty. You have to pour more on yourself. It just gets worse and worse and worse. (laughs) I've had my clothes peeled off me from from a short film that I was in called The Transient. If anybody wants to go out and check YouTube, (laughs) Um, I'm told it's played on the Big Ten Network for off and on for years. So maybe you've seen it. But (laughs) in that case, the the day we filmed that scene, I was only covered, I think, for like two hours doing it. And they had to peel my clothes off me. It's awful. Ugh. So knowing that, like, the these actors, you know, might have had to go through a few things on set that weren't comfortable, but, right. like, whatever it takes to get it right, and they were all on deck, like, I'm all for movies like that, when now, it's it's that chemistry that works so well. And I hope it translates let's when we hope. see it. Everybody talked about uh, Endgame being so long. Reportedly, this is 165 minutes. Yes. So it's going to be a, it's another one where people are trying to figure out when they can go to the bathroom. When they can go to the bathroom. And all I'm going to say to that is, is that if you uh if you're one of those like me where occasionally you buy like a giant soda, maybe get the small. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, don't uh don't drink a whole lot of liquids before you go and just kind of go in and know a lot of that, salt. Have yeah, a lot, a lot of, of salt. salt. Yes, that's a good call. Right. Um now I'm I'm okay with long movies. I'll always be okay yeah, with long I don't movies. Mi- I don't mind a long movie. I just you know 
you want to be able to prepare. Stage, Blake, I yeah. gotta, I have All to plan that stuff out. You got to plan, uh, yeah. You know, if I, if I'm gonna have a beverage, I have to know. You got to know, yeah. and and I think in the case of this, uh, the length will help this film because, like you were saying, you know, Stephen King books are long, and yes. they're rich reading experiences sure. if that's what you're into. However, in the case of this, I think going a little longer and ensuring that they wrap this story up fully, I'm. I'm 100% game. Now, we've all seen maybe the miniseries or we've read the books, so like I'm curious how they're going to play out the final sequence, yeah, you know, like, be... and I hope that it's not rushed. So if that if that extra 20 minutes think, yeah, or whatever is it, with 165 minutes, I don't think it's going to be. All right, I got to ask you about this because I saw the trailer the the first time I saw it, I laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we got another Rambo movie coming. Yes. This is uh, Last Blood. Last Blood. Now, I am fascinated with uh, characters who start a franchise one way and then become a cartoon, and Rambo is one yes. of those. The fir- first Blood was phenomenal. It was phenomenal, and yes. And he was, he was this gritty, uh, this misunderstood uh, veteran who had been like tossed aside. Right. And then he was hassled by the man, and it was great. And then... He won the Vietnam War in the next movie, right? And, then, and it was, and I just watched. This is a. I watched part of Rambo to help fall asleep last night. Yes, um, when he took on every Burmese warlord. So yeah, and so now he's back, but he's living on a farm. So in a way, Stallone is kind of doing with Rambo what he did with Rocky, where he takes like a break. And it's like, okay, look, maybe this film didn't work so well, so I'm going to act like it didn't exist, and now I'm going to. Finish the story the way it should have been. So well, you, and Rocky Balboa was a great ending. It Rocky was a, Balboa was, was a, a great, great ending. ending, and the Creed films have been very good. Yeah. I think to the Rocky character. Yes. I don't think that they're trying to like reinvent the wheel or right. anything, but I think that passing that torch has gone on has done, yeah. been done effectively with Adonis Creed. So what is um, going to happen with with Last John Blood? Rambo? <laughs> I read a headline the other day that said it's basically. Um, what is it? Home Stallone. It, it looks like it's he's going, you know, Kevin McAllister on a on a drug cartel who he makes angry. Now, look, if you tell me that's the pitch and it's going to stick to that, I'm all in. But if you go back to the original uh, First Blood, it ends with him trying to go home to like a farm. Right. So this is more like, do we just ignore like everything else that Rambo's done? And like, we're going to say, look, you can treat the Rambo universe because we're going to go with that. There's okay, a Rambo, Rambo universe. universe. Uh, we're going to treat it like. There's the cartoony stuff like you were talking about because that's how it looks. It's looked at now. It's yes. pretty cartoony. Or is he this? Is he going to play it more like the grizzled first blood Rambo? Which, yeah. by the way, because there's somebody. I, I'm trying to figure out the relationship yeah. of the girl who's kidnapped because the cartel takes somebody right who's close to Rambo. And I'm wondering, which I don't if, know, there's anybody who was close to Rambo. I think the misinterpretation that we've been given through the trailers is that maybe he owned the farm, but maybe he just worked there and, and her family maybe. owned it. And so, like, he really cares about them and, like, she's supposed to inherit the farm and, you know, these people are harassing <laughs> and he's all like, Ugh. you know, he's got to go after it. And now, this is not going to be 164 minutes. No. I'm guessing 80, 88 yeah, to and wrap look, this up. I hope this is a tight movie that gets really good with the action gritty and then in the end like we're all sitting there like all right that was a good yeah. end that was a good finish to this this character's I lifespan he, on the screen i hope he blacksmiths his own sword like he did in uh rambo. i really that hope would be he terrific now, here's the thing. i actually enjoyed rambo because stallone when he was making it was like i'm making the most r-rated action movie oh, yeah. and then when i went and saw it i was like this is the oh, most it was r-rated insane. action movie i've seen yeah. in a while i forgot how graphically violent yeah. it was it was like, oh my god yeah it it, it goes <laughs> 
beyond uh, the the idea of what you know bullets hitting people looks like yeah. in movies. Like he, it, it, it was set to frappe. That's the easiest <laughs> way I can describe it. Very nice. Okay, I the other one that I'm seeing a lot of uh, talk about is this Ad Astra. Yes, this, Brad Pitt's uh, new Brad film. Brad Pitt yes. and Tommy Lee Jones mm-hmm. and. Uh, There's an assortment of other good actors in this movie. Yeah. Um, Basically, Brad Pitt's an astronaut who's going to go track down his dad who's gone missing. Who was an astronaut, too. Was an astronaut. And and is in space? Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Whatever this is, this is seeming like, while we talked about the Keanusons, I think we're in in a world where we're also going to get a good year Uh, of Brad Pitt. We haven't seen Brad Pitt in a while. No, but he's also pretty selective, and he knows that when he picks a movie, he goes all in. And I think Ad Astra is going to be a nice juxtaposition to the Cliff Booth character from Once Upon a Time. So I think he's setting himself up for two Oscar nominations, in a way. I don't know if he's going to get them, but I think if I had it my way, now I haven't seen Ad Astra, I want him to get one for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because of all the talk, the the contrary. I think people are talking about this performance more than, even if they hate it, Like they're talking about it. I think that says something. Get some buzz going. For the quality. Because nobody's saying it's a bad performance. They're just like, oh, I don't like what the character does. Yeah, yeah. Real quick, somebody texting in from the 815, going back to Rambo, uh, and the last scene of First Blood, they said the name on the mailbox says Rambo. So that's his family so it farm. Could be there his you family go. Farm. That's true. And maybe, maybe we'll find out that everything else was just a dream. Oh, see, <laughs> they're going to Bob Newhart Rambo. Yeah, exactly. Is that what they're going to do? <laughs> Oof. Oh boy. Troutman shows up. Yeah. Hey, Johnny, I just got rid of that sheriff. If they what? digitally recreate Troutman, I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> I mean, you know, we've seen some good stuff. Speaking of the digitally recreating, I'm going to jump ahead into yes, November. Please do. Um, the Irishman. Scorsese's The Irishman, which is three and a half hours long. We've all heard it. It's going to be a long movie. But November 27th, it drops on Netflix. November 1st, I believe it's getting a New York, L.A. theatrical release. It's my understanding that AMC theaters and Netflix can't come to an agreement. So I don't know what the likelihood of it getting some kind of expanded release before the Netflix drop is. However... There are more than just AMC chains in Chicago, so Chicago is a really good movie city. I think, I'm hoping that I'll be able to make a road trip up and see this bad boy on a big screen. screen, Because, you know, from the fact that you got De Niro, Pacino, Pesci, Scorsese, like everything is, the stars are aligned once again, that if this is their last run together, I'm all in for it. Yeah, and let's hope it's a good one. And the digital uh, work in the trailer, they were very careful to show you specific shots of how young they make De Niro look. And maybe it shocked you. Maybe you're like, well, De Niro doesn't look that much younger. Look at a picture of Robert De Niro today. Now, De Niro looks good. Right. For, I think, 75. Right. But he's... But he looks like he's about 50 in the movie. They they said they were going to de-age him about 25, 30 years. And and the look of it is solid. I mean, he looks a little bit older than he did in Casino, I think, uh, in this first trailer. So... I'm intrigued by uh, how that's going to play. Plus, I'm just I'm just begging for a, a big, long, epic Martin Scorsese yeah. movie with actors that... We need another good Scorsese uh, movie. Yes. All right, before I let you go, the one everybody's talking about, Joker. Joker. Joker's yes. coming out October 4th. October 4th. Uh, you've got... Uh, oh, You'll get to see it in 70 millimeter if you go to the, mu- the music box. Yeah. They've got a special okay. engagement they're going to do for that, so... Uh, Chicagoans who want to go see Joker, you might see me there October 4th or maybe 5th. I don't it, know. We'll see what I can do. It but. looks... I don't know. It looks like Taxi Driver? Well, well which, <laughs> what it's supposed to. It, yeah. And it's supposed to yes. look that way. And it's reimagining Joker's origin. Correct. So there's no Batman. There's just Joaquin Phoenix. They're doing... And it's in Gotham. And they're right. doing this thing where they're going to, I think... We don't know exactly what they're going to... I mean, people who saw it at Venice this yeah. week know... 
all the early reactions are masterpiece. It's incredible. Phoenix is definitely an Oscar contender. Like all these things, stuff that I kind of figured I'd hear sure. from the first reactions. Um, the film does look like. I mean, I believe Scorsese is an executive producer on okay. it. So, excuse me, if that's the case, you're going to get a lot of his vibes. Yeah. And if that's the you know if you go further than that, you think okay, King of Comedy, uh, Taxi Driver. You're going to get uh, DC, you know, the DC treatment, but right. they're trying to reinvent the DC cinematic universe. And yeah. if they're going to do it, this might be the film that kicks it off. And if I'm DC right now and I've got a film coming out, I want it to be a completely different world and right. view of how we make our movies from how Marvel's doing it. Yeah. I want to be, I want to be a completely different flavor. But then they have to they have to translate that to their heroes. Correct. Because if you do this for a villain, and villains are more actors, I'll tell you, villains are more fun to play. It's, Correct. You know, yep. people love the Joker. He's he's DC's premier villain. Yes. But they got to do it with their heroes. Right. Or they're never they're never going to touch Marvel. The one ever. thing that I'm looking most forward to with this particular film is that Phoenix looks so grounded. Yeah. Like his character doesn't. But the world that he's living in looks very yeah. modern, like not super modern, but it looks very like I think either it's like late eighties or yeah. yeah, it's something where the the period that they're trying to set it in, it looks so grounded in reality. It's it's more like what Nolan was doing, but yeah. in its own flavor, and it's got a different look, and it looks like it's going to be an excellent character study style film, and it might be a huge change for what people come to expect from Todd Phillips, the director, who mm-hmm. most people know from, like, I think, Old School, The Hangover, right. you know, these big comedies, you know, yeah. and, and granted, it's the Joker, so you would hope that you have an effective comedy director that can work with yeah. these big actors, and De Niro's in the movie, so that's kind of a cool callback, I think, to yeah. King of Comedy, and I'm, I'm thrilled to see this movie I'm looking soon. forward like, to it, and I'm a Marvel guy, but I'm looking forward to seeing Joker. Yeah. Blake, it has been a pleasure. I'm glad you were yeah. in town and you were able to come in. We'll talk again very soon. Follow Blake on Twitter at Blake Stubbs. Thanks a lot. Have a Thank good, you. Have a safe trip back. You guys have a great uh, Labor Day weekend. We What's will, left of it? Yes, we'll talk to you soon. All right, All right that's uh, Blake. Let's do this. And then it's news time, WGN. Brian Noonan in for Nick D on 720 WGN. It is Labor Day. And uh, if you are celebrating Labor Day, you can thank one of the uh, people who helped make Labor Day possible. Think of uh, the early labor movement. I knew a little bit about the labor movement, but I don't know everything about it. But one man who knows a lot about the labor movement, knows a lot about U.S. history, knows a lot about a lot of things, Professor Kevin Kaufman is here. He is the host and creator of the History of the United States podcast. Uh Welcome, glad. Thanks for coming in. It's an it's an ungodly hour, but it's nice yeah. to nice to have somebody uh, somebody come in. Glad to be here. It's great. So, all right, tell it. First of all, you are you have a PhD in history, correct? Yeah. For I studied history like everybody mm-hmm. else in school. What was it about history for you that made you go? This is this is my thing. This is my calling. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's the it's the stories. Yeah. It really is that. That's what it comes down to. And when you start delving into that graduate school level of stuff it's like okay what do i really want to say what hasn't been said yeah that i can explore and and you know shed light on and that's that's what draws you to it i think Um, and what did you what did you do get your doctorate what was your dissertation on what part of history uh modern u.s okay uh so really 1900s okay um at some point that's not going to be modern anymore but uh (laughs) But at least for now, and my dissertation is on, uh, or was on, it's been a while, uh, on 
Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, wow, okay. And its founding and impact and what it's kind of done since it was founded in the 1930s and uh, gone on through the rest of the century, really. Uh, Oh, fascinating. Yeah, the dissertation stops about 1960. Okay. uh, Just so I could, you know, graduate. Uh, (laughs) um, You know. What, you wanted to finish? Right. All right, listen. uh, And my spouse was kind of like, yeah, you will finish yeah, it's time uh, to it's, be done it's time to be done doc um she's the only person who doesn't call me doctor no uh <laughs> but uh but yeah and but i've i've kept an interest actually like all uh overworking historians you focus a lot on the stuff that happened before okay and you stay interested in everything afterwards and so it's kind of like and this part in the middle i know a lot about <laughs> but you you know i just uh over the summer gave a paper about uh, the temperance movement and uh, the the novels that were produced to convince people about the horrors of drink and okay. things like that. So it was that was all from about 1850 to 1870, and so it's kind of what did that have to do with the 1930s? But it's like no, I can make it work. <laughs> you'll you'll get it in there. So so far, you've told me two papers you've produced, and they both have to do with alcohol. Yes, I, I like the way your history is going. <laughs> this is this is the kind of history I am interested in. There you go. Okay. So on the on the podcast, because some people hear history, and you know, when we were in school, a lot of it was just dry memorization of dates and facts. It wasn't what what makes the podcast different. How what are people going to get? Uh, it no, it's terribly dry. I, that's what I'm <laughs> going for. You want uh, you want dry? Yeah. Okay, well, good. I bill it as a. <laughs> Uh, as a, something to help you fall asleep, so that oh, you know. Uh, right? No, I think. Wow. What, you know what makes it different? What makes it great um, is the lack of constraint, which may maybe that's a double edged sword. Thinking, yeah. saying it out loud, I'm like, oops, maybe not. But the, all those things that, like, as a as somebody who teaches, that I have to be like, oh, I can't talk about that. I need, I got to get moving. I got to okay. get through. Oh, right. You know to. Uh, to the civil war or right you know, the syllabus says i have to be at this date right. by this day and i don't have to think about that at all it's like you know we're going to spend another podcast about the constitutional ratification yeah and talk about some of those you know i love going in and digging into those quotes of uh statesmen and things like that and, and some of the things they would say to each other and how they would um you know treat things and finding that historical uh context is really fun and I think it makes the podcast a lot more fun. Yeah. Um, it's not much of a production. Um, you know, there's there's no background music or uh, you know anything. <laughs> no to special make it, effects. No special effects. Mm. I don't have gunfire going off for. A, oh, I think you if know. you had some dueling in the background, or you know, voice right? actors, or a, a quill on a paper when things some, are being yeah, scratching right by. Yeah. Them. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sammy, we got to get on this. We got to help uh, the doctor get some uh, more production on because the content is there. I feel the content is is going to be fascinating. Now we just figure out another way to uh, to brand it, right? Because you. You, as you said, now you're on the the last episode was the third part of the ratification. Yes. Uh, so you did. Oh wow. Yeah. You yeah. did start really uh, rolling things out. Going, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stretch this out. This well, is how do you decide? I mean, obviously you love this, right? So for you to talk about it is great. Where do you say? Are, you know what? This is ratification needs three episodes because it was a big deal. This is this is something I'm 
you need to, you need to hear more about this. Right. And actually that's exact that's exactly kind of how I thought of it too of when we when we teach it really all the way through it's kind of like there was this weird thing called the Articles of Confederation. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> and all all you need to know is it was bad. Okay. <laughs> okay. Great. We're gone. Thank you. And then and then these really smart guys make this constitution and everybody loves it and then we then we're we're off and running. <laughs> and I find It sounds very simple with the way <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's and then, and then the constitution's written and we're done and it's and it's great and um it wasn't that clean clean cut. It yeah. wasn't that easy. Um I think it really hurts the opposition of those that were against the constitution, basically their name was the anti-federalists and okay. You got to come up with something catchier, right? You know, federalist sounds pretty good. And what are you? We're we're anti anti federalist. Yeah, um, really. Wow, thanks, guys. That's um, that's how much against it you are. You right. just came up with anti. Yeah, you, nothing. <laughs> and and so how long it actually took? Too, it took really when you get right down to it, almost three years for the Constitution to be ratified right. to be completely accepted. Um, and in the last episode, I get into talking about how Rhode Island was the last holdout, and there was discussion of putting a trade embargo on them oh wow of maybe sending in troops if things didn't go the right way like that that wouldn't have taken long rhode island's right that it's big. tiny yeah <laughs> um and they were gonna newport and providence uh if the vote wouldn't have gone the right way the last vote they took newport and providence were gonna bolt and go to massachusetts oh wow they were like nope we're not gonna stick with you anymore and so there was and you know like george washington refused to go there on his what was his new england tour okay after he became president he was like no, wow I won't, I won't be going to that place and so there was a lot of uh there was a lot of division that and then it's going to come up again because um thomas jefferson and james madison figure out man we were more anti-federalist than we thought and all that great Hamilton stuff gets thrown in. There. I wanted to ask you about that. Is some uh, two two questions. First of all, since we were talking about the Constitution, mm -hmm. uh, on a completely apolitical stance, as someone who studied all this, do you think that when the framers of the Constitution created it, they they looked at it as a rigid document? This is how it's always supposed to be, or did did they envision it as evolving over time, or did they not put that much force foresight into it, which doesn't seem possible because these guys were all about looking ahead. Right. And I would say, actually, it's, it's as split as it's ever been, okay. even then. Um, and it's funny because Jefferson changes his tune in the middle of his presidency, basically. It's like I, he was a strict, you know, uh, constitutionalist. Nope. What's written is the way it is. If it's not in there, we can't do it. Um, most of his opponents always were, no, we can, you know, like Hamilton famously. Yeah, there's... There's a little bit of gray area. We can we can yeah, make we can make a room. bank. Yeah. So it's cool. Um and Jefferson when things, you know, like Napoleon comes along with a great, you know, offer you can't refuse for yeah. half half of your new country. <laughs> but there's nowhere in the constitution that says you can make that deal. And right. You can't. And it's like, meh, on second thought, maybe and and his evolution on his thought is interesting to watch um james madison really goes kind of the other way he okay. he's like i designed this it was great but man i didn't see this coming and i think you know it's i think they would they were just as split as we are now i think there's people who are you know it has to be okay. the way it's written and 
other people very much the living document. They even use that phrase as they were framing. We're, okay, this is a living document. Yeah. This is you know so. What's well, interesting then to see that things haven't. While a lot of things have changed, some things haven't really changed all that much. No. We're still we're still debating whether this document is, you know, the word of God on a stone tablet or, right. you know, a good guideline that we can you know we can work within the its constraints. Right, and that's what I like about looking at the dissenters is that no, it wasn't. It wasn't that easy. It wasn't that uniform, and. They 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 brought out a lot of interesting arguments against the Constitution, and again, they will get played out as the the next that next half century goes along until, of course, it gets to a, a real massive crisis with the Civil War. But uh, they they really put it into perspective that this wasn't easy. So very nice. All right, since you brought up Hamilton, one more Constitution question, or that, and then we'll get into uh, we'll get into the labor movement of this mm-hmm. country. But as someone who's dedicated their life to history, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the Hamilton phenomenon? I mean, because that that did seem to get a lot more people amped up on studying history or learning yeah. learning about what was going on. I I for one love it. I think it's great. Um, anything that gets people into history is great. Yeah, I think. The danger sometimes is that, you know, that's all the history people get. And you're like, well, wait, it, no. Didn't really happen Did, all, all in two hours. Right. Exactly, right. And, Took a little more time. Um, but to get people to, to go back and look at it and to be excited about it. I, my yeah. friend, another historian, uh, was sitting next to somebody at the show. And there's a song where they they sing Washington's Farewell Address. Yes. And this complete stranger, you know, like whispers to my friend who he didn't know was a historian like that's the real address you know and and my friend was thinking yes i know i've kind of done this um, <laughs> but but the fact that somebody's sitting there excited to hear washington's yeah. address that's really cool and i think that's you know to kind of bring it back to historians i think there's nothing wrong with being popular right um and i think a lot of historians have trouble with that well, I mean, it just the word history makes you think kind of it makes you think old and stodgy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So for something like Hamilton to inject this new blood. And like you said, there will be some people who got very excited about not only that part of history, but more. And they're going to read. Maybe they, you know. Right. Maybe it makes them pick up the biography. Right. Something because, like I said at the beginning, a lot of us after high school or a college class here we got it, you know. Right. I got enough. I can, I get by. I know where thing when things happen. I know what caused it. I've got the big picture. But something like this, you go. I I need to find out more about this. Right. You know, oh this yeah. Particular thing. Absolutely. And I think that's. And again, that's one of the fun things about history is that you can go down such deep rabbit holes. Yeah. You know, that that's like uh, I I enjoyed working on AA and working on Alcoholics Anonymous and but I don't have that minutia memorized like some yeah. people who really get into the history of the of the AA program you know I mean one of the first papers I gave about AA was and somebody asked me the question what was Bill Wilson's last drink and it's kind of like I, wow I, I have no clue you know yeah that's- <laughs> it's not really that important to me but okay but and it's great that people get that into it. And yeah. get very, people still get really passionate about history 
It's just, I think when you're not sitting there. Right. Um, yeah. When we make it spinach, it really becomes. And I think that's, that, that's the, the peril that teachers have fallen into in the past, that it, it became like, here's, here's learn this, memorize these things. Right. Oh, but can we, and then like you said, the rabbit holes are what, that's what makes it interesting for mm-hmm. people going down these rabbit holes because it's whether it's AA with the with your papers or whether it's something that you saw in Hamilton or so, anything right. anything yeah. uh, like the labor movement which we will talk about in yep. a moment Dr. Kevin Kaufman is with me. He is the host and creator of the History of the United States podcast. Uh, you can uh, just uh, look up History of the United States podcast. Just Google that, and there you go. Uh, so we will talk about the labor movement because it is Labor Day. We'll talk about it in the United States as a whole. We'll talk about it in Chicago in particular. And we'll have some fun with history. If you have a history question, sure, feel free. 312-981-7200. More with uh, Dr. Kaufman after this. 720 WGN. Today it's Holiday Matinee Baseball on Channel 9. Watch the Cubs battle the Mariners today at 1 on WGN TV Sports. Yes, maybe you're off today because it's Labor Day. You'll be sitting around. You can watch baseball. But why are we? Why do we have the day off? It's not just to buy mattresses. Professor Kevin Kaufman is here. Dr. Kevin Kaufman is a historian. He is also the creator and the host of the History of the United States podcast, have a good time with U.S. history, which is uh, what it's all about. Because once once people are having fun, doctor, then then they want to learn more and they want to keep going. All right, so let's uh, before we go to news, let's just get, take an, asking a historian to let's just take a brief look <laughs> at this. Uh, it's something that has taken you know hundreds of years or a hundred years to get going, but we'll just start. Um, well, let's start with the country in general. When mm-hmm. when did the labor movement start? I know Chicago, uh, which we'll talk about the specifics later. I know Chicago has been a hub of the labor movement since mm-hmm. since its inception. But how did things get started? Uh, they really get started, I would say, as um, industry starts to come about. I think is how we kind of think of the labor movement to a certain degree, and also really uh within the trades because that's usually what we first hear you know is trade unions right that you you are specifically and it's a, it's kind of a descendant of guilds and that whole idea uh but the trade unions especially in urban centers like new york and uh philadelphia boston on the east coast before chicago even is around right. those organizations are very powerful um and they they manage to have a certain amount of voice in city politics and um you know kind of what goes on in those places that i think you can kind of see now they're not you know they're not supremely powerful they're but they have a certain say and then as industrialization takes hold as we got to start to get into the 1840s and 50s and railroads and all that kind of stuff trade unions are starting to try and figure out who and who isn't in the labor movement okay. for the longest time uh, trade unions did not want to have anything to do with unskilled workers. That was kind of like, no, they, you know, you don't even need to know how to do anything. They shouldn't be a part of our brotherhoods and our organizations. And when we really think of the labor movement, I think in the United States, it's that, that segment getting organized is where we really let that, that unskilled labor becoming, um, organized around different ideas uh that that mass movement 
right. think is is really where it gets in. It's, it's not nearly as specialized, and they they have to fight for a lot more, um, even just recognition because people that they work with don't even necessarily want, want them in. want them around. Yeah, right? and so yeah. So was it? I mean, obviously, we we know all the issues that labor has the the unions and things have working conditions, wages, things like that. At the beginning, was it all about wages, or was it you know was it conditions, or was it uh, an amalgamation of all of those at the beginning? What what kind of set it off the movement? I would say what set it off is is really um, the, the the great cause and the one that really kind of puts labor you know, into the forefront is the eight hour workday. Right. And that does get tied up into everything of pay and, and conditions and things of that nature. But the idea of an eight hour workday, and that was, and it was for six days a week. They didn't even, you know, there was no weekend. There was no weekend. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you got, Sunday. if you got Sunday off, you were doing really good. Right. And that really becomes kind of the, the, the crux of the movement for a long time. And that's what many of the things around, um, around Chicago uh, have to kind of coalesce around. Yeah. Um, and then of course there is the conditions and there is the, um, the treatment of workers and having any kind of um, the, a, a big thing is uh, what's the, I can't think of the right word right now, but some kind of not guarantee, but some kind of protection of being just fired, you know, and wages cut right. at the whim of a boss, you know, that, that was really a big part of it too, that, um, that you had some kind of, you know, assurance that it wasn't just going to be gone tomorrow. Just, yeah, at the, like you said, at their whim. Uh, we're going to talk more about Chicago in particular because mm -hmm. uh, you alluded to the eight-hour workday, and that led to one of the big, uh, the big episodes in the U in labor movement here in the mm -hmm. city. We'll talk more about that. Dr. Kevin Kaufman is my guest. He is the creator and the host of the History of the United States podcast, History of of the United States podcast is how you find it on the internet. We will uh, do this, then it's news time, and then more with Dr. Coffin. We're talking history. If you have a question, 312-981-7200. It's WG. Oh, I can't believe that on uh, Labor Day we are lamenting winter. Dr. Kevin Kaufman and I are in here talking about the, the impending... We know the snow is coming, Sammy. Don't give me that look. It's September 1st. It's going to be snowing in like a week and a half. Negative. It's, I, uh, yeah, you just tapped into my whole uh, my wheelhouse. Negativity. That's, Negative. that's, how, that's <laughs> how we do it. Dr. Kevin Kaufman is here. He is the creator and the host of the History of the United States podcast. Have a good time with U.S. history. Uh, we, but we were talking about the Constitution, which was great. But we're talking now about the labor movement. Uh, we started it. We started out in the big picture, kind of the whole country. But according to uh, according to the Chicago Federation of Labor, Chicago is like the hub of the of the labor movement. Uh, a lot of most local number ones are based out of Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, but let's start with let's start with the eight hour workday because you brought that up before the news, and uh, that has the the whole haymarket. Everybody's heard of the haymarket riots. Mm -hmm. How was that and the eight hour workday? How did how did all this come about? What 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 is that for the the uninitiated? The uh, the haymarket uh, riots, the haymarket incident, whatever you want to call it, was uh, demonstrations actions against the McCormick Reaper Company. Mm -hmm. um, that started, I want to say, May. They started on May 1st, which was a big right. European 
a holiday. A lot of people, because this is a huge time of immigration in the United States too. So they brought over that that festival as well, okay. and it became associated with leftist causes and lab- the labor movement. And so they had one of their mass demonstrations against the company then, and there was a a large uh, police presence um, at the at the Reaper com- company. There were um, employees that were that were hurt. I think a couple were killed. I can't remember exactly offhand, but it leads to uh, Chicago anarchists deciding to organize okay. um, and have a a uh, a rally on May fourth. And one of the points that they were really striking for and and working towards was that eight hour workday. I mean, and that was again that really had become. The, the cause okay. of, you know, eight hours of work, eight hours of sleep, eight hours for what we will. And good, good at slogan. Yeah, that makes um, that, That's pretty good. Makes sense. Um, and so they are there demonstrating and speaking out on May 4th into the evening. And they were trying to get as many thousands of people as they could. And they, they were thinking it's going to be huge. You know, I've seen estimates of only a you know, close to a thousand to maybe three thousand people showed okay. up, but not nearly what they thought. Right, and um, even the mayor showed up. And according to uh, according to legend, he was there constantly lighting his pipe to kind okay. of show off that he was there because it would light you know in, in oh, a darkened sure. darkened alley kind of where it's at, in a darkened area. So you'd see his face. Oh, there's you know, the, oh, the and, and he was a very uh, charismatic, interesting guy. Okay, and he had. He had an, he had a a really good uh, hold on the city of different the different constituencies. He was yeah you know he was able to kind of appeal to a lot of different folks, and so there was that. And he left early. He thought you know nothing's going to happen here. It was fine. Um, and really, when the police came in marching in formation, that's when things get bad quick. Yeah. And so, like you said, the riot occurs, deaths occur trials that but it really solidifies a lot of folks on the labor side of things that this is you know this is the place this is how we're gonna you know kind of in a sense make our stand right um now did it it did from what i read that the the movement was kind of hurt by this mm -hmm. a little bit because and you you use the term uh, leftist or marxist earlier Mm -hmm. is that was that a a a fear of people or was that what what uh, the anti-labor people were using to kind of say hey listen you don't want to that's Right. That's something we don't want in this country. Right. And that's always been a tough thing for labor in general. Yeah. Uh, but especially, I mean, it was, you know, not, well, I think to American readers and minds and stuff, a lot of those ideas were very new, you know, of Marxism and anarchism. Anarchism. It's late. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, the those ideas, socialism, those things were very, very foreign to a lot of native uh, born Americans. Right. I don't want to say Native Americans. That that's a whole other thing. Sure. Um, and the fact that a lot of these folks didn't even speak English uh, made it that you know. So being able to tie in that uh, fear of immigration and fear of foreign influence to all of yeah. this, I think, made a lot of a lot of American workers kind of standoffish to it too. Um, so how a- after this and the the setback then to the eight hour workday? How mm-hmm. does that? How did it rectify itself? Uh, <laughs> because you you can always count on 
corporations to do the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> no, uh, but really, you know, working conditions don't get any better. Right. Um, people still are getting treated poorly and it still becomes something that people desire, want to have better, a better life for themselves and their kids and all and, and their fellow workers. And what's interesting um, is that, yeah, 1886 and the trial and how these people are treated. I think that also made people a lot afraid too of, I'm not going to stick my neck out. Right. You know, I, I barely speak the language. You know, uh, I think six of the defendants weren't even at the riot <laughs> and still were convicted. Oops, yeah. Yeah. You know, so I could, you know, but um, it's interesting that it will be another strike that kind of gives it a whole new push, you know, later. And it is because um, one of the big employers of Chicago, one of the biggest at the time, Pullman, yeah, let's get into that. That was because that's the one that came. The next right. one, as you said, the, another strike that galvanized people, and and it has the almost the the mirror effect of eighteen eighty six. Okay, that instead of it kind of setting back the labor movement, eighteen ninety four, everybody's like, no, this is it. I mean, it becomes a national strike, um, something that right. we we never speak of anymore. Um, but it really became a, and there was a lot of sympathy strikes going on with it. That um, well, give the background because it's it's hard to imagine now as as strangely as some corporations act sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe that this this was actually happening. What what Pullman was doing seems completely forward to us now. Right, he uh, basically cut wages. Right. Uh, it, as the United States in 1893 experiences a what they like to call panics, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's a depression. Yeah. Um, and Chicago is able to buoy itself a little bit because of the World's Fair is still here. But after that closes up, the amount of people uh, that are unemployed in Chicago skyrockets. Okay. And kind of what was affecting the rest of the country comes through Chicago, uh-huh. including Pullman. And he decides, well, you know, the, the I think it's the iron law of wages yeah. of, well, it's the one thing we could definitely cut that decides to cut wages. Now, the thing that made it difficult with Pullman, and like you said, it's hard to believe that he basically had a company town. Yeah. I mean, that's, the Pullman district was, a, in fact, Pullman, Illinois. Yeah. He owned all the property. He charged all the rents. He had the groceries. He had it – was, it was all him. Yeah, so so whatever you got paid went right went back right to back. him. Right. So he cuts wages, but he doesn't lower prices. <laughs> and he doesn't lower rents. Yeah. And people and I think it was I remember I remember teaching this in History of Chicago and I think it was like three or four representatives from the workers go to talk to the management and say, "Hey, this isn't working. You can't do this." Right. And they fire all of the representatives on the spot, get out of town. Yeah. You know, don't don't let the door hit you. And that galvanized the the rest of the workers. And um, Eugene Debs comes in uh, with and he has he does have the brilliant idea. I think it's uh, it's um, attributed to him that the American Railways, the American Rail Workers Union, which is one of those uh, unions I was talking about of unskilled laborers. It yeah. wasn't specific. It wasn't like a brakeman's union or, you know, uh, engineers, whatever. He says that any train pulling a Pullman car won't move. 
Oh. We will we will work in solidarities with the Pullman employees. So and, and that at the time, every train had a Pullman car oh, yeah. or two or however many. So within a matter of I think like even within a week, rail traffic is almost stopped. I mean, just think if airline traffic today stopped. No, that's yeah. Right. You know, just I mean, you and I probably can remember nine eleven when Oh yeah. There was it was very eerie it not was. seeing a plane in not the sky. Not seeing a plane in the sky, not you know, just that was it. Yeah. Airports and, are closed, nobody's going anywhere. Right. And the same thing happened to train traffic. Okay. And that and it and it lasted, you know, for quite a long time. Now Debs faced federal charges for that, right? He did, yeah. Now what was the I, most of them were dropped if i remember correctly yes i don't think he goes to jail until after world war 1 okay. like for similar kind of stuff but yeah. it's for uh sedition and you know um working against the government and that kind of stuff i but I, i'm pretty sure he doesn't he may have been charged and convicted but it was only a fine okay um, that i'm not 100 percent sure on right now now when with a national strike like this uh which you know it starts out a local issue turns into a national thing how does the federal government react to this? How did they react to the Pullman strike? Because, as you said, it cripples the nation's transportation and, and sh- you know. Right. Uh, well, um, as is as is the uh, the the way of a usual U.S. government policy is to react against the workers. Right. Um, they don't necessarily try and talk sense to Pullman. Instead, they they come up with the idea, they get a judge, uh, a court order that says that because they are disrupting not just Pullman cars, but the U.S. mail. All right. You are interfering with the U.S. mail. And as we all know from Cliff Clavin. You cannot do that. That is a federal f- right. crime. So that that is what um, gives them justification to call out the troops. Okay. And they, they do call out in, you know, the, the regular army, uh, which the army base that was used, especially around here in Chicago, was uh, founded right after Haymarket. Okay. Fort Sheridan with a railway directly into the city just in case there's any more labor oh, okay. unrest. It's a quick sh- sh- shot right in. Um, and that's exactly what happens with the Pullman strike is okay. they come steaming down from or I guess steaming. Yeah, down. That would be right. Okay. Yeah. Doing my Chicago geography <laughs> on the fly. Um, but they do come straight through and they go, I think they wind up uh, outside of Hammond. Okay. Um, and they fire on demonstrators. They, and they're on the, they're, they're on the, like the engine of the train on the front of it. There's yeah. these, um, uh, Theodore Dresser is a reporter for the scene. Okay. Um, and he is describing them as, you know, they, they, were holding their bullets in their mouths. And they looked like they had tusks and they were ready for, you know, I mean, it's just some great description. Yeah, it's like, again, where, where has that gone? And yeah. you, know, you don't get, you don't you get don't the get flowery that. writing. No, very, uh, no. But a lot of imagery, but that was, that was the, the federal response and it ultimately breaks the strike, but um, not without a fair amount of casualties. And um, oddly enough, or maybe not oddly, but that, that gives the labor movement a lot more life than it had had in the in the previous decade. Well, and it's got we're gonna we got to take a quick break. Uh, Doctor Kevin Kaufman is with me, but when we come back, there was there's one more, at least one more. There's a few more, but we'll talk about one more: the Memorial Day massacre. Mm-hmm. And I also want you know we talk about wages and conditions and stuff. And one of the big things that labor was able to change 
was child labor and those kind mm-hmm. of laws. So we'll talk a little bit about how that came about. Uh, Kevin Kaufman is the host and creator of the History of the United States podcast. Have a good time with U.S. history. We're only scraping the surface. So go to historyoftheunitedstatespodcast.com to find out more. We'll get into a little bit more uh, on the other side. It's WGN. I'm Dave Plyer. Join me this Labor Day Monday as we'll talk to Dirty Jobs' Mike Rowe about the skills gap in the American workforce and his plan to make it right. Christopher Knight, Peter Brady of the Brady Bunch will preview HGTV's A Very Brady Renovation. We'll celebrate the 90th birthday with the TV legend, my pal Bob Newhart. And we'll talk tailgating and give away a brand new Weber grill at 8.50. Dave Plyer and for Steve Cochran, later this morning at 5 on 720 WGN. Townstone Financial is synonymous with great rates, low closing costs, and phenomenal service to the thousands who have completed purchases and refinances with us since 2002. Hi, my name is Barry Sterner, owner of Townstone Financial. Let's hear about the Townstone experience from one of our customers. I'm Christopher Nowak, a real estate agent with Castline Properties here in Chicago. When a buyer contacts me with questions about the loan process, what type of loan products are available, it's easy for me to put that buyer in touch with Townstone Financial and specifically Zach Schwartz, Barry Sterner, the whole team over there at Townstone. I have confidence that the team at Townstone is going to make me look good. The result at the end of the experience is that the customer is always happy with the service they receive. Remember, nobody values your business more than Townstone Financial, and I'm always available to answer your questions. Call me now at 312-896-2110. That's 312-896-2110. Or go to Townstone.com. That's T-O-W-N-S-T-O-N-E.com. Townstone Financial is licensed in Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, Florida, NMLS 136639, Equal. Do you have federal student loan debt? Kaplan Law Firm has the secret to lowering your monthly payment and eliminating thousands of dollars in federal student loan debt. If you work in the public sector, if you're a fireman, a police officer, a doctor, a nurse, you're likely qualified for thousands of dollars of forgiveness of your federal student loans. Not in the public sector? Kaplan Law Firm can still help to reduce your monthly student loan payments. Give Ray Kaplan a call at 312-294-8989 or visit financialrelief.com. Everly has a congenital heart defect, which we found out a few weeks before she was born. Meet the Backy family. She had her first open heart surgery when she was three days old. Ronald McDonald House Charities of Chicagoland in Northwest Indiana was there to help. By being able to stay at Ronald McDonald House, it means that I can be there within two minutes if something is turning or a doctor wants to talk to me. When a child is severely ill, nothing means more than having family close by. To learn more, visit ronaldhousechicago.org. We are talking history, We're in particular, the labor movement in Chicago, and why we are all, well, some of us are enjoying a day <laughs> off today. Dr. Kevin Kaufman is not, because he's in here with me. And again, I appreciate you coming in. Uh, if, you want, if you want to learn more about history, and you want to have a good time doing it, uh, the History of the United States podcast, that's where you go to have a good time with U.S. history, because, uh, as you said earlier, one thing, if you're interested in one thing, you can follow that thread and just keep going and going. Mm-hmm. All right, so we talked about Pullman. We talked about uh, the Haymarket uh, incident or riot, whatever you wanted to. Uh, another huge, huge uh, labor incident, tragedy, the uh, Memorial Day Massacre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, how did that come about? That and, was... And what, what was the... How did it come about, and then what was the benefit of it, or the I, end result? Uh, that was... Um against the little steel mm-hmm. as the, the five little steel i think it was yeah different companies uh, all on the south side of chicago 
And they were striking for better wages. And I think, actually, they were still striking for an eight-hour workday as well to yeah. be um, regulated. And they it, it occurs over Memorial Day weekend. And unlike um, a lot of the labor movement that had occurred into the 1930s, because this is 1938 uh, or 35. I always get it mixed up. Mm-hmm. Probably bad for a historian to do that. <laughs> but... Um, but uh, it's in the it's into the 30s. The labor movement had gained 37. 37. I was right. You were I right was there. so close. Um, I'll give you the I'll give you the you know the window on each side. Which is you what are, I do on there. exams. Yeah. for students. <laughs> oh really? Oh yeah. I'm like eh, you know as within long as, a year. Yeah. yeah. As long as you're close, you don't you know. Anyway, um, <laughs> but they were striking, and in a, in a weird misstep of the era, the Chicago Police uh, Department under the direction of the mayor go out full force. There's a famous picture of a guy, of a police officer yeah. with his billy club coming right at a guy. Um, and there's there's other times there's going to be, um, it was kind of one of those things of, wow, that doesn't really happen in Chicago now. Uh, there was still demonstrations and, and clashes like in Detroit and things yeah. like that. But it it was one of those things that, you know, it was kind of like, what is going on? Because labor had become so much more... Sh- powerful in that time that almost immediately the reaction and it's it's the opposite of what had been the standard uh governmental reaction was it was condemned by the national government i think roosevelt himself came out against and said something about it that this was a tragedy um the mayor apologized for the excessive force which yeah you wouldn't (laughs) you just wouldn't hear and that is it's one of those moments too where people recognized and kind of almost i think in almost in shock really of like oh wait this is respected people are yeah um this is really something it was a new it was a new moment in labor history for the united states well and when you look at the the people who were involved in these early labor movements between between the police and the government and the company hired strike breakers it's amazing what you will put up with or what what you will risk when you realize listen we're we're being taken advantage of this is not working mm-hmm. so yes there are threats of physical violence there's threats of jail there, but this has to be done and it's amazing to to learn about these people and watch and see the, those kind of pictures and go a lot of us would go i don't know if it's you know Right. I don't know if I if I'd stand out there and let some thug come and uh, swing a club at me, whether it's not a not the the police, they'd do it, but also just guys that the company hired to come right. and bash my skull in because I want fair wages and I right. want I want to work in a safe environment. And you know, and not to paint uh, the workers necessarily, you know, poorly, but at the same time, would I stand on that picket line? Right and. Well, they, you know, they push some guys back hard, Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and but what I would I stand up for my job th- that way, too. Yeah. You know, of what I again, would I risk physical violence, what I you know, those kind of things. And man, I don't know the answer. Yeah. I would like to say, well, you yeah, know, you'd like, like to think that, oh, yeah, I would have been right out there shoulder to shoulder. But, you know, right. thankfully, we don't have to worry about that much. All right. Now, you said earlier and, and I will if we have time, we'll touch on child labor, but that. That was one of the byproducts of this whole labor movement mm-hmm. is that now we don't have kids in factories, you know, doing all that. You said part of part of history is 
looking back and learning all that and seeing where we're at and then kind of looking ahead. In a historical perspective, what do you see for the labor movement now and the union, the future of unions, that kind of thing? I think it has to kind of change with the times Mm -hmm. of uh, industry is not the same as it was, at least in the United States. Right. Um, Things are still getting made, you know, products are still getting uh, made at various places. And I think in, in some ways that's to really embrace the idea of the internationalness of labor is going to be how it evolves. Okay. That actually making, um, labor unions in the places where things are being made is going to be the next, you know, not to start sounding like everybody's uh, nightmare of a college professor, <laughs> yes, I, you know, but you know, but the worker struggle is going to be in the places yeah. where things are going to be made. And many of those companies are still based right here okay. and they've, they haven't stopped fighting against organized labor. And I think that it's just going to be carried out in other venues. And as far as in the United States, I think that different professions are going to wind up unionizing. Okay. Uh, eventually. Such as? I think, you know, kind of almost playing on the news, um, the news industry and seeing how, you know, how strong the writers guilds and, you know, the various newspapers, you know, taking votes to unionize and things yeah. like that. Um, I think you're going to start seeing that more and more that those kind of, you know, cause we're right now, you know, kind of what we were talking about at the break about Uber and, um, it's this whole gig economy, the gig economy, and no that it, regulation that there's, there's no regulation, but there's also no protection. True. And that's, yes. and really when you get down to it, that's what labor and the labor movement's about. Yeah. It's about protection. Right. And yeah, there is no, there, those, the people who work for any of those kind of companies right. are out there on their own. And and it's still and it's the same argument that was had in the eighteen hundreds, through the you know through the nineteen hundreds of well you made your choice yeah <laughs> you know so it's not our fault you you know got black lung right um and somebody actually stepping up and saying no here's why I have to drive twelve hours a day yeah so I would like to be treated a little more humanely and a little more justly I no I don't need a million dollars. But something to make yeah. this work. Well, this was fascinating. I, I appreciate you coming. We'll have to talk again. I would love to. Absolutely. History is a non, you know, there, there's a countless things we could talk about and countless hours we could talk about them. And if you want to spend some of your hours learning a little bit more about history and having a good time doing it, the History of the United States podcast, historyoftheunitedstatespodcast.wordpress.com. You can go there. Listen to all Dr. Kevin Kaufman's episodes. Thank you so much for coming in. It was Thank a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Enjoy the rest of your holiday. Thank you. Uh, we are going to keep the educational portion of this uh, morning going because I'm going to open the doors to the overnight arcade. And on the other side of the news, we will play the game. We are going to use actual middle school scholastic bowl questions. So maybe you didn't understand everything uh, that uh, Dr. Kaufman was talking about, about the ratification of the Constitution, but you think, well, I'm as smart as a seventh grader. This might be your chance to prove it. Sammy, what callers do we want to have? Two callers. Uh, two call- Yes, do, do we? I, I don't know. All this right, microphone it, likes call- to come on and off of me. I don't know. Caller number four and caller number five at 312-981-7200. Callers four and five, 312-981-7200. You will play the overnight arcade on the other side of the news. 
Shall we play a game? It's a new game. Only this time, the game is real. Can you handle it? Everybody play the game. Play. Time to play the game. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. It is the theme for America's favorite overnight radio quiz show, the Overnight Arcade on 720 WGN. I am your host, Brian Noonan. Uh, with me tonight for the first time, very exciting, uh, Sammy Martino. Uh, this is your first Overnight Arcade. Are you uh, rightfully in- excited by this? This is a whole new thing for you. Oh my gosh, that music intro got me a little pumped up. Here that's, we go, we got two we contestants. Do. We get things ready a to roll. 3 a.m. arcade game, let's go. Let's go, very nice. I like your enthusiasm. You've only been here like 15 hours. I know. All right, yes, it is the Overnight Arcade. You know how it works. If you uh, didn't get through to play along with us on the air, then uh, get out of bed, run out of your house, scream and yell, wake somebody up, because during the Overnight Arcade, at-home wagering not only encouraged, but expected. Let's meet our players, shall we? First, we go to Schomburg where Tom is standing by. Hello, Tom. Welcome. Good morning. How are you? I am Dandy, Tom. And what do you do for a living? I'm, I'm retired now. You're retired. What you used to do? I used to uh, be a process engineer in automotive field. Oh, wow. Very impressive. So you, you probably know a few things, Tom. You sound like a guy who... I might... used to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then once you retire, you just put them all away. You forget it. Uh, let's That's see. right. Lock that box up, throw it out. <laughs> yeah, you don't need that stuff anymore. Forget about it. Yeah. Let's see who you're playing against. It's John. He's in Chicago. Good morning, John. Good morning. And what do you do, John? Nothing. Nothing. I'm retired. You're retired, too? <laughs> That's See, this is what we have to look forward to, Sam. Someday we'll be retired. I won't. I'll, I go right from here to the box and then right in the dirt. That's it. But other people will retire, and then they can stay up all night trying to win valuable prizes on a radio quiz show. I think it makes two of us. We're both going to I the think box. That's, yeah, I think that's fantastic. What did you used to do before you did nothing, John? Uh, I had a limousine service. Oh, well, a limousine service. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So you know all the streets. It, it, I don't know if there's going to be any uh, navigational questions on here, but uh, if if there are, I'm sure you will do wonderfully. Gentlemen, these are actual Scholastic Bowl questions from a middle school Scholastic Bowl. Uh, so these are questions that were asked to 5th, 6th, or 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. Hopefully you will know as much, if not more, than those preteens and early adolescents. Uh, here's how the game works. I'll ask you a question. If you get it right, you get a point. If you don't, your opponent will get a chance to steal. First one to five correct answers, or whoever is leading when our time runs out, will be our winner. Tom, John, do you understand the rules? Are you ready to play our game? I'm ready. Yes, I am. Everybody's ready. This is good. All right, now we will flip and see who goes first. John gets the first question. John, here we go. What is the highest mountain peak on Earth? Is it Mount Kilimanjaro, Mount Hood, Mount Makalua or Mount Everest? Mount Everest. Mount Everest is correct, and John is on the board. Very good, John. That's how we start the game, Sam. That's how we do it. We ask questions. Somebody gets it right. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, we go to Tom. Tom, I hope you've unpacked your box of knowledge. You are going to need it for this question. As do I. (laughs) Who invented the cotton gin? Was it Samuel Eli Whitney. Oh, it doesn't even need me to read it. Tom, coming out of the box hard. 
first round all tied up. John and Tom tied at one. Oh, this is going to be a barn burner, Sammy. This one, I got I got a prediction. This one's going down to the wire. Very exciting. All right, John, we're back to you. Do you feel the pressure already? It's a high-pressure yeah. game. I feel the pressure, and I'm not even I, – I have the answers in front of me. I should be the guy who doesn't – you know, I should feel no pressure, and yet I'm terrified. John, what is the closest planet to the sun? Is it Venus, Mercury, Earth, or Jupiter? Mercury. Mercury. A lot of production value on this quiz show, Sammy. I know you're impressed. Uh, That is correct. Mercury, John, putting another point on the board. And we come back to Tom. He's in Schaumburg. He's wondering what the question will be. Wait no longer, Tom. Wonder no more. What is the state bird of Illinois? Is it the bluebird, robin, finch? Wow, wow, wow. Awesome! Awesome. Tom, just let me finish reading a question for my own episode. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, you don't have to (laughs) wait. You know the answer. You're in. It's 2-2 to after the second round. Sammy, if you were a betting man, what would you? Uh, who would you put your money on? Ooh, I know. How do I? I you, no contest. To talk, even money, even money with both of I'll these guys. I put my money on Sammy Martino. Wow, always betting on himself. Good for you, Sammy. Good for you. All right, John, back to you. I like the little. I like to do a little banter. Give the contestants time to sweat a little. Uh, get that little knot in their stomach. They're sweating. Here, here we go, John. What is the smallest unit part of any living organism? Is it a proton, a cell, a molecule, or a granule? Uh, proton is part of it, but cell is a unit. Uh, hold on. What, what's your answer? Cell. 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 Yes. I, that's what I thought you said, John, but I uh, want to make sure that is correct. You now have three. Tom has two. And now we move back to Tom. Tom, are you ready? Are you feeling the pressure, Tom? It's still late. Here we go. Now, listen, Tom, I was only kidding. If you know the answer, you just shout it out. You don't have to wait for me. Okay. Here we go. In what country were the Olympics born? Greece. Greece. I, I wasn't even going to... Yes! 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 <laughs> you are right. It's three to three, Sammy. Three to three. This is, this is going to come down to a... Tree, tree. Tree, tree. All right, here we go. John, we're back to you. John, this American artist is known for his illustrations of small-town life featured in the Saturday Evening Post. Bummer Rockwell. <laughs> good job. Keep up the good work. Yeah. John didn't even, John didn't even want to wait. He's like, listen, if Tom's going to yell out answers, I'm yelling out answers, too. Good for you, John. <laughs> exactly and you are exactly right. It is Norman Rockwell. I think John's the favorite, but I like the underdog, so I'm taking Tom. How, I, how, do, you, how do you pick an underdog or a favorite? Nobody's missed. John has four, Tom has three, but that's only because I've only asked Tom three questions. I'm about to ask him his fourth. Which Shakespeare play, Tom, featured the characters Hermia, Theseus, Bottom, and Puck? Is it As You Like It, 12th Night? Mid-Summer That is correct. Correct. Four to four. Very good. All right. Here we go, gentlemen. It's four to four. Give him the spice. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to change things up a little bit now. It's 4 to 4. We're about to uh, we're about to end time for the first round. No more multiple choice. This is how we do it. Now we just got to know. It's going to okay. be a winner. What this is going to weed out. This is going to weed out the uh but both these guys have been yelling out the answers before I've even given the multiple choices. So I don't think this is going to change anything. But we're back to John. Here we go, John. Oh, this one. Eh, eh, no, we'll see. 
1999 movie starring Kevin Spacey and Annette Bening and directed by Sam Mendes won the Best Picture Oscar. Uh, this one I got to go multiple choice. Was it The Cider House Rules, The Green Mile, Chocolat, or American Beauty? American Beauty. That is correct. That is correct. And as the rules state, John, that is four. That means you now have five. That means you are the winner. Congratulations. It was just on this one, it was just the luck of the draw. Who went first? Uh, Tom, you put up, you put up a, a wonderful <sighs> fight. It is a wonderful fight. And because of that, I cannot let either of these players go away without a prize, Sammy. Both of, both of these men deserve something. John, we're going to send you a desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling. They are the 60-minute men. Call 855-955-HVAC. So, John, you are going to be uh, the uh, prized winner of that desktop indoor weather station. And, Tom, because you put up such a fight, this was neck and neck. I have a feeling if Tom had gone first and John had gone second... The game would, you know, our winner would be different. We're going to send you a twenty-five dollar Lou Malnati's gift certificate, uh, John. You are uh, Tom. You get to uh, visit uh, the Chicago's best deep dish pizzas home. You can find one of their forty Chicago land locations or order online at LouMalnati's dot com. So you're getting the pizza, and uh, we are giving uh, John the weather station. And gentlemen, you have been fantastic. Thank you for playing the game. Wonderful job this morning. Thank you. So have a great morning. Uh, Sammy, I think I'm putting, yes, I've put them both on hold. Fantastic. All right. You know, we've had so much fun. We're going to do this again. One more round. What do you say, Sam? Sure. One more round. We One are more round. Four and five again. Caller four and caller five. Is that a good number for you? I like that. You like four and five? All right. Callers four and caller five. 312-981-7200. You are going to play another round. We're going to, we might make it a little more difficult, but Scholastic Bowl Trivia on the Overnight Arcade. 312-981-7200. Caller 4 and Caller 5. You play round 2 next. Game on! Game on! Time to play the game! <laughs> well, Sammy, I know this is a holiday weekend, and it is uh, usually the game was always played at 2 o'clock. It seems a little late. Uh, at this point, we have one player. We have just one player, uh, so it's not much of a game. But I will say hello to Patrick. He's in uh, Rolling Meadows. Hello, Patrick. Hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. You are awake. Uh, we are now the line. Now, oh, if you hang on just one second, Patrick, we are going to have somebody to play against you. I was just going to give you some... Somebody to lose? Wow, I like that. So, Patrick, what do you do for a living? I own my own heating and air conditioning business. Ah, very nice. Are you, uh, are you working today, or are you taking Labor Day off? No, unless I have an emergency call. And that's... Uh, no, today is a day off. Well, that's good. There's nothing wrong with taking a day off, right? No, I love it. Yeah. Now this is a, this is the time. Uh, what are you asking me, Sam? <laughs> you should do two callers or three. No, just one, just time. one, just one, just one more. We got. Patrick. Hey, as a as a heating and air conditioning guy, I just want to tell everybody to keep their thermostat where the fan sits to on or auto. Keep that fan switched to on. Uh, it'll help your it'll help your bill. It'll make your house more comfortable. Now, let me ask you a question, Patrick. This is completely self-serving. Uh, when you got the central air, that fan should be spinning, right? That fan, that should, fan be should be on all the time. All Any the time. electric motor, anybody that knows anything about electric motors knows that electric motors love to run. They do not like to stop and go. Stop and go. They, just they like to run constantly. Put it on. All right, we got... Uh, we and, got... And, and again, 
I just want to say it's called forced air for a reason. If you leave a fan switch to on to auto, you're not forcing the air to do anything. It does what it wants, but nobody explains that to everybody. Well, now you so did. everybody. I, so if you home. look at a thermostat and you see the fan switch and it says on or auto, you don't know what on means. You know what auto means. So everybody goes to auto. All right. But yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I'll- I'm telling you. Everybody needs to turn their fan switch to on, and they will be like, oh, my God, my house actually is balanced because you're forcing the air to do what you want, not what it wants. But anyway, let's go with this game. I want to kick some butt. Wow. Listen, you just put on a tutorial because I'm one of those guys who always had it on auto. I'm going home and changing the thermostat right when I get home. You better, yeah. And and then, again, you got to make sure you change your filter. Oh, sure. Because you're going to be... You're going to be filtering your ear more because you've got your fan on constantly. Perfect. Right? Well, let's see what Frank. Uh, Frank, do you have any? Uh, do you have any advice, Frank? Frank's in North Lake. He's playing the game. Hi, Frank. Hi. What do you do, Frank? Uh, pardon me. What do you do for a living? I'm retired. What you used to do? Uh, I was a retired sous chef. Oh, very nice. Uh, now what? Frank, I got to ask you because Patrick was very adamant about this. On your thermostat, is your fan set on or auto? Um, my thermostat for the AC. Yeah. Um, automatic. All right, put it on on. Put the fan on on. According to Patrick, he's an HVAC guy. You'll love it, man. You'll you, love you'll, it. You'll be amazed at how much better your house is. Like, yeah. Again. All right. I love you. So again. All right, so Patrick and Frank, here's what we're playing. <laughs> we're playing Scholastic Bowl trivia. Uh, these are actual middle school Scholastic Bowl questions. I'm going to ask you a question. If you get it right, you get a point. If not, your opponent gets a chance to steal. First one to five correct answers, or whoever is winning when time runs out, will be our winner. Uh, gentlemen, you know the rules. Are you ready to play the game? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Here we go. Frank, Frank gets the first question. Frank, what is the largest planet in our solar system? Jupiter, Uranus. Jupiter. Oh, wow. He goes right to Jupiter. That is correct. Frank starting us off. Correct answer. All right, Patrick. This is not an HVAC question. It is a question about clouds, which, if your electric motor blows up, you might see one coming out. How many basic types of clouds are there? Three, four, five, or six? Four. Four. Yes, Cumulus, Stratus, Cirrus, and Nimbus. End of round one. We are tied at one. We go back to... Oh, Frank, this is completely random, but this is right up your alley. This cooking term means to drench in a liquid and then ignite. Is it braise, poach, simmer, or flambe? Drench in liquid. Hold on, Patrick. It's Frank's question. Did you say to drench in liquid? And then ignite. That would be flambe, like uh, like uh, you know, the Greek thing. Uh, yes, cherry's jubilee. Yes, it is flambe to set something on fire. Patrick, you were very excited. It's not your turn, but now it's your turn. What did Nate... Yeah, I was a cook at like 15, man. <laughs> so I set stuff on fire, so I don't know if that qualifies right. me, but I do that too. Right. Name the first artificial Patrick. Name the first artificial satellite that was launched into space in 1957. Was it Orbiter, Sputnik, Navigator, or Explorer? Sputnik. Sputnik. Nice. Nice. Yes. 
Tied up 2-2 at the end of uh, two rounds. This is another neck-and-neck game, Sammy. The knee, Frank, the knee is considered which type of joint? Is it a ball and socket, a hinge, a pivot, or a saddle? The knee is considered which type of joint? Ball and socket, hinge, pivot, or saddle? I would say a, a ball. Ball. Oh. Ooh, Frank, that is incorrect. It is not. Patrick, that means you get a chance to steal. The knee is considered which type of joint? Ball and socket, hinge, pivot, or saddle? No, gentlemen, the knee is a hinge joint. A hinge joint. Nobody gets a point on that. We go to Patrick. Uh, Patrick, Illinois joined the Union in 1818, making it what number state? The 18th, the 20th, the 21st, or the 23rd? I'm going to go 18. You're going to go 18. That's incorrect. Frank, you get a chance to steal. Is Illinois the 18th, 20th, 21st, or 23rd state of the Union? 21st. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Frank now has four. Patrick has two. That means... Yeah, that's all right, Patrick. Oh, wait. No, this is Frank's question because he just stole that. So, Frank, you have four. Get this one right, and you will be the winner. Are you excited, Frank? Are you ready? Yeah, sure. All right. How many teaspoons are in a tablespoon? Three. Three. Sweet. Is correct. And that means, Frank, you are our big winner. Congratulations, Sammy. Oh, isn't this exciting? Another round. Very nice. Frank, as our big winner, we are going to send you a desktop indoor weather station brought to you by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60-Minute Men. So congratulations on that. And Patrick, not only because you played a great game, but because you had valuable thermostatic information for everybody, we're going to send you a $25 Lou Malnati's gift certificate. Uh, Lou's is the home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza. You can find one of their 40-plus Chicagoland locations or order online at loumalnati's.com. Can I just say thank you, sir? You you definitely can. Thank you. And for- I would like to say hats off to Frank. Great game, thank Frank. You. Very nice, Thank Patrick. Thank you. Good you game, are, You are a, a good Again, sport. I love this guy. This guy, the best. Well, you know, when I stay up, I love to listen to Nick. Well, I mean. Oh yeah. Well, when Nick Rock is out, here, brother. when Nick is here, he will appreciate it. Uh, Nick is off tonight, but uh, thank, you, thank you, Patrick, and thank you, Frank, and let's do this, and then it's news time. Oh, it's Brian Noonan in for Nick. Nick is off tonight. It's a holiday or this morning. It's uh, that was funny. It's. Uh, I did learn something from Patrick, though, our contestant on the game. I've, uh, I don't know uh, how, how much uh, control you have over your thermostat, Sammy. I don't know your living situation. I know today you live here. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know if they allow you to have access to the thermostat here in your uh, palatial no apartment that we call the, the, you know, Club 720. The Club 720. Is that, that was where you my slept? Sleep. Yes, sure, that was. But Patrick uh, wanted to apologize. He's like, oh, yeah, no, he did, they did, no, he didn't. But that didn't bother me at all. People are... Listen, if you're you don't know, it's it's all right. 
What, mean, a, what a funny guy, though. That it was, very was fun. cracking no, but, me up. But he was right, because I have always put my fan on auto. Because I thought, well, then when the when it reaches a point, it'll automatically turn on. But there's something, something going on. With, that's why I asked him about my fan. And yes, sometimes <laughs> I use this show to serve my own purposes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the world. Yes, sometimes <laughs> it is just about me. Uh... We had the the air conditioner was making a it wasn't really cooling everything off. It was running, but then I looked out. I walked out on the deck as I'm wont to do, uh, and I looked out, and the fan wasn't going on the 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 motor was running, but the fan wasn't spinning. And I'm like, hmm, I'm no HVAC guy, but this doesn't seem to make sense. So we'll have to see. Now the rest of the week it's supposed to be. Uh, according to Don and every other weather monkey that I'm listening to, it's supposed to be very nice, except for Tuesday. Uh, it's going to be very warm, humid. I might need the air conditioner. But who knows? But that's just me. That's, uh, that uh, really doesn't matter. What are you bringing me? Are you bringing me something exciting? This is, what is this for? Oh, this is the weather. What am I supposed to do with this? Do we have, do we have times? No, no, no. What? Uh, Oh, yeah, 45 and 15, right. Okay. Well, we'll do it in a few minutes. I don't want to rush things. People are used to having their weather at 45. If I do the weather at 36, that's going to throw people into a tizzy. They might call you uh, Brian Noonan finally. Nah, I don't want to listen. <laughs> I don't. Listen, here's the thing. If they don't know who I am, when they complain, it, uh, <laughs> I don't know, some guy, some guy to talk, try to get uh, air conditioning advice for himself. Didn't do anything for us. It is good. It's, listen, any advice is good advice. It's, uh, you know, we get a little bit of... Have you been seeing this uh, footage of this hurricane coming across this Dorian? This monster. Unbelievable. Now, they're saying that uh, the waves, the waves are 18 to 23 feet high. The winds, they were gusting over 200 miles an hour. I can't even imagine what that's like. You know, you see the pictures. First of all, this is why I like being in radio. Because these poor reporters that they send out to stand in the hurricane, with that, we, if I work for that's who the labor that's who labor going back to our conversation with uh, Dr. Kevin Kaufman, that's what we need to do. Those TV reporters need to uh, a little stronger. You need to go. We're not standing out in a hurricane. They're telling people to evacuate and run away. <laughs> You're sending us out to to stand there while things get going. So catastrophic damage in the Bahamas. Uh, again, I'm I keep watching now. I'm. On the TV now, they're showing that this is this is the model that bothers me the most, the spaghetti model. When they pull that up for a hurricane and they show like 18 different paths that the hurricane could take. Now, I get it. It's nature. We don't really know. But I don't know what string to follow. I'm bad at playing any sort of parlor game. I don't know. Well, I'm going to follow the green one because I'm Irish. That's a, Oh, that puts us right on course for, a, you know, complete devastation of the entire state of Florida, which is not good. So now they're saying it may not it may not make landfall at all. But if you're within thirty miles of the eye, which if you're on the you know the Atlantic coast of Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, uh, you're you're gonna it's gonna suck. So uh, I don't know. I was uh, I was thankful because I my brother lives on the Gulf Coast of Florida. One of my brothers. So I texted him the other day and I was like, and I I feel bad because every time there's a hurricane aiming at Florida, I text him. Everything okay? He's like, yeah, we're, you know, boarding up. He had windows put in his house that can withstand 170 mile an hour winds. I'm like, if you have to build your house so they, so they will withstand, maybe, uh, maybe not the best place. But he's right across the street from the, uh, he's right on the Gulf. So is it, you know, 
if there's a hurricane that comes up the Gulf, he's getting whacked. So I guess you need that 170 mile. You you don't have to board up your windows then, which I guess is good. But you're also hoping that uh, you know whoever is creating this uh, these products know what they're talking about. So there is a mandatory evacuations all the way up and down the Atlantic coast of Florida. Uh, they're talking about perhaps uh, instituting a mandatory evacuations in South Carolina starting to, later today or early tomorrow. Um, the storm seems to be slowing down a little bit. So, uh, of course, throughout the news and throughout the day, we'll be keeping you updated because whether, uh, you know, I know the hurricane is not coming here. But we will feel some effects, and uh, many of us have people that we know in Florida. Plus, you know, anytime, anytime there's a potential for uh, part of your country to be wiped out, you should pay attention. You know, that's I, I see these pictures from uh, the Bahamas, and it's horrifying. So they did do a nice thing in Florida, though. They suspended all the tolls, so you don't have to pay tolls now. You can just get out, which... I'm driving yesterday. Yesterday, uh, I told you I started back at the gym, but this, this has nothing to do with tolls. So I went to the gym because I knew we were going out to Indiana to pick apples. And you may say, how are those two things combined? Well, Sam, I don't know if you've ever picked apples at an orchard. They make have, these I things have. called apple cider donuts. Which sounds delicious. They right are now. delicious, which is one, why you need to work six. out before you go to the, to the orchard. Because now you're going to be walking around, which is fine, but you got to have a donut. And an apple cider. You have to. It's part. It's a yearly tradition. It's a must. You got to. So we're taking the, you know, going over the Skyway, going over the Indiana Toll Road, which is a racket. The Skyway's a racket. Five, $5.30 to cross a bridge. What is yes, this, the is. Billy Goat's Gruff and the city is the troll? Five thirty to cross. $5.30 to cross. And I have an iPass, which I found out doesn't work. Because I, I get an email last week one email that says hey we've put more money on your ipass fantastic then i get another email uh you've got too many video tolls and i'm like video to what i got my ipass well i of course ignore that email because i don't know if i figure i don't know what they're talking about i'm gonna pass well turns out uh we get stuck at not at the skyway at the skyway we just blow through because they don't have the gate but when we get to the Indiana toll, toll booth, I pull up, and I've got my iPass in the window, and nothing is happening. And now there's people behind me, and I'm honking my horn, because no one will come out of their little booth to open the gate. And I'm honking and honking, and I can't back up. I don't realize they have a credit card machine at the toll booth on the Indiana tollway. I can't back up, because now the guy behind me not only is swearing at me, which I understand because I'd be doing the same thing if the idiot in front of me. So I'm waving the iPad out the window. So he sees that I'm like, hey, I, you know, I'm not just an idiot. I'm an idiot with a malfunctioning piece of machinery. So finally the gate goes up. We get to the next one. And now I know I have to go to a guy, a, a person in the, in the box, which, you know, God bless you people who work at the tollway in the box, because that has got to be terrifying. Sounds like the penalty box in like hockey. It is. You feel shame. You go the to the box. box. You go to the Get box. In the box. That's eight hours a day in the box, just standing there watching people go by, taking their filthy money. You know, answering dumb questions like, "Why won't my iPass work?" <laughs> the guy goes, "I don't know." I go, uh, "I said, well, here's you know, here's my money." I said, "I got this iPass. What should I do?" He goes, well, "Give it to me." 
All right. So I hand it to him. <laughs> and he's holding it, and he waves it in front of something. And the gay guy goes, it works. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't work. I'm like, all right. So now the next toll booth. I, I realized it cost me more money in tolls to drive to this orchard than it did for all the apples that we bought. Oh. And we bought 700 pounds of apples. Because if I'm paying that many tolls, I'm only going Those once. apples better be worth it. They're, oh, my God. They're, well, they're right off the trees, and they're fresh, okay. the way God intended them. They're not shiny, though, which throws me off. Because when I'm at Jewel, I buy the shiniest apples. Because I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, a child. I look at, ooh, that's shiny. I want the shiny apples. <laughs> None of them are shiny on the tree. So it takes me a moment to recalibrate my brain to go, hmm, all right, they're not shiny. Yeah, because they're not covered in God knows what they cover them with to shiny them up. These are, you know, these are matte finish. If you were a graphic designer, these are M-A-T-T-E, the matte finish. Anyway, now, <laughs> I forgot the, the point is, the iPad still doesn't work. Because now we're going through another open road toll, and, you know, the white light's supposed to go on if it were Nah, it doesn't work. So, I don't know what the guy in the box did with his magic wand to make it work for him, he's like, well, you got it mounted on the window. I've never had it mounted on the window. I always hold it up well before I get to the toll booth, and it always works. And he, for a guy who told me I had to mount it, he was holding it in his hand in the box, and it worked. Here's a question, though. Yeah. Wouldn't it, isn't it connected to your license plate? So even if you went through, it, it would still mark it because you have your license plate. It takes the picture. It does. But the email that I ignored, to much to my peril... When it when you go through and it doesn't read it, it takes a you know takes a picture. Well, I guess after you reach a certain number of pictures, then they go, "Hey, jerk, we're gonna just you know now you got to pay full freight." But they're still taking money out of my account to replenish the iPass, so they know the iPass is full. There there's something. So now I have to find an, an oasis because you got to go to the oasis. And so now I got to go out to the Oasis and go in and I'll be tempted by Sparrow and Starbucks and all the other uh, food groups at the, uh, at the Oasis as I stand above. Uh, where? I said that makes two of us. Yeah. So, you, you know, now I got to go deal with Little Aunt Annie's or something. Sure. Oh, yeah. man. The Auntie Ooh. Ant's pretzels. Right. There was a, oh, man. Bada man. bean, bada boom. There's a lot of stuff going on at the Oasis. Of a lot course. of, a lot of, and a lot of chicanery. I think too. Did There's, you ever try that uh, Popeyes chicken sandwich? I did not. I didn't give get a hop on the bandwagon. No. I listen. Here's the thing. Here's a, all right. Let's take a break. We'll talk about that. <laughs> if listen, if you fell a victim to the hysteria that was the Popeyes uh, chicken sandwich fiasco, well, we got to talk because there's a there's a problem in this country. And we'll t- we'll, uh, I don't have a solution. What's the problem? Well, hang on. That's the tease, Sam, in the business. Uh, we I call like that a tease. tease. Okay. And now we'll come back and talk about it after this. Well, they better listen. For what they, what they, you guys, you know, producers make it huge, huge money here. You know, so you'll be, with all this overtime and triple time and holiday pay, you pretty much retire on Tuesday. You know, it's funny, though, is as much as, like, it's tiring, exhausting, I come to work every day happy because I like doing this. This is fun. You're producing, you're you're running radio shows, you're talking to people all over the Chicagoland area. So yeah. I, I get a kick out of it. No, so. it's fun. It's you know, it beats breaking rocks for a living. There's people who are those are, there are people who work in long hours doing really hard work. Like those people making those Popeye's chickens. See what I did? I brought it all oh, back. There we go. Oh, here we go. man, here we go. All right. Popeyes. So, first of all, so it was Popeye's, and who was the other one? Who were they? Uh, was it uh, Chick fil A? Sure. Popeye, I don't go to Chick fil A anymore. Uh, oh, you know what we forgot to do? The weather. Uh, 
Today, it's uh, turning more summer-like for Labor Day. Areas of low clouds, early fog, sunrise temps in the upper 50s uh, to the mid-60s. Then they will uh, rise to the low 80s inland, low 70s along the beaches. Monday night, isolated late-day evening thunderstorms may pop up. Most areas will stay dry. Tuesday, temps reach the upper 80s. Scattered thunderstorms develop in the afternoon and evening. Uh, Wednesday, considerably cooler and less humid. A high in the upper 60s and low 70s. Same for Thursday. Right now, 61 at O'Hare, 63 at Mid. Midway 65 along the lake. All right. So everybody, oh, man, big thing. Big, oh, big thing led this whole week. Everybody, oh, Popeye's versus Chick-fil-A. And I don't go to Chick-fil-A for a number of reasons. Uh, I haven't been to Popeye's in a while, but I'm a big, uh, being being a lover of New Orleans and all things New Orleans, I enjoy a Popeye's. I haven't been, haven't had it in a long time. Popeye's uh, is good. Pop, Popeye's is good. Cajun and, style. And people love, oh, and people love Chick-fil-A. I just, you know, for whatever reason, uh, but this is the problem with this country. And I, I know we need a distraction. I'm all, listen, I loved, I loved when uh, the alligator was here in Humboldt Park because it gave us a distraction from all the other crazy stuff that's going on. We need, we need uh, a break from some, you know, we Change need a break. So it's like, oh, look, now we can debate a chicken sandwich. <laughs> Uh, a chicken sandwich. A chicken sandwich. That's it. And I'm sure if you talk to people in Nashville, they'll go, you don't know hot chicken sandwiches. We've got hot chicken sandwiches in Nashville that'll, you know, punch you right in the throat. But there were people buying these Popeye sandwiches and then trying to resell them on the street. That's what's wrong with this country. Because, one, you're you're putting that much stock in a fast food chicken sandwich. And I haven't had it. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I would imagine it's good because most of their products are good. And I would imagine people, you know, the other one's good too. But who is who has the thought in their head, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to capitalize on this. This is how I'm going to make my fortune. This is my get-rich-quick scheme. I'm going to go in and buy 57 fast food chicken sandwiches and then hope that there's people who are dumb enough to buy a lukewarm chicken sandwich from a random guy with baggy pants out on the street out of a plastic bag. Famous rapper Quavo actually uh, bought like hundreds of them and was selling them for $1,000 online. $1,000 for a chicken Wait, sandwich. Wait, you're selling a chicken sandwich online. How good? <laughs> now, if I'm, if I'm the people from Popeye's, one, I'm happy because my chicken sandwich is selling. But then I'm like, wait a minute. You're gonna buy a you're gonna buy one of our sandwiches that we prepare hot and fresh, and that's how we want you to eat it. Hot and fresh. Not wrapped up, mailed to somebody who bought it online for a thousand dollars. And if you're somebody who buys a used chicken sandwich online for a thousand dollars, I want to meet you because I have a lot of crazy stuff you can buy. You know, I have a half eaten sandwich out in my lunchbox out here. Uh I've got an old apple. I've got all kinds of things. You can buy, oh man, I'll sell you all kinds of stuff. Who, You know Popeye's is going to bring these back. It's like the McRib. It's like all these things that people get all worked up for. Oh my God, the, the, the sandwich. The sandwich is coming back. Popeye's isn't stupid. So they only sold for a little bit, and then they sold out. You know why? Because now they're going to bring them back, and you people go, oh, i got to get another sandwich. Supply and demand. One, of course. One. We, love, we love supply and demand. I'm all about capitalism. And you would say, well, if you're all about capitalism, what about the guy selling lukewarm sandwiches out of a bag on the street? If he wants to try it, good. My problem is the people who are buying them. You know, it just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Did you try any of them? Have you eaten any of these spicy chicken sandwiches, Sammy? Did you, did you have one? 
I did. And How was it? The bun tastes like chicken. The pickle tastes like chicken. The chicken tastes What's like chicken. What's a chicken sandwich? It tastes everything like chicken. It was delicious. How was the but- spice? Was it? Was it? Uh, I like a nice spice because Popeye's regular, like their spicy chicken, is a pretty good spice. It's got a kick to it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's a chicken sandwich. It's I a chi- mean, yes. I mean, that's come all on. it is. It's fried chicken on a bun. Exactly. It was delicious. Though. All right. I mean, it's, it's- now did you do a, a sandwich by sandwich comparison? No, no, no. No, you just went and got one. Absolutely now, where did you where did you find it? Did you buy it from a guy on the street? So my brother you pay a thousand bucks. My for- brother had to wait in line. He said for thirty minutes to get one, and he got two of them, and uh, I had one of them, and it was delicious. But chicken sandwich is a chicken sandwich. Nothing's worth the hype. We're <sighs> we're standing in line. I can't imagine standing in line for thirty minutes. Yeah, it's too long for a, for a a chicken sandwich. Where you know what every. Every fast food place has a chicken sandwich. Are they as good? I don't know. McDonald's McChicken Dollar. I love it. It's not a bad sandwich. It's not a bad sandwich. Again, whatsoever. these are these are all things I haven't had in so long. Because <laughs> I, you know, it's like oh, I should. But there was a part of me because I was going out to see my mom, and uh, there's a Popeyes right near her house, and there was a part of me that wanted to pull in, and then I thought I'm not I'm not getting sucked into this chicken sandwich vortex. Because then, if I have that chicken sandwich, to be an educated consumer, i got to go have the other chicken sandwich. I'm not going to do it. Uh, from the 847, I know that you're going to talk about chicken, which we have been, but I stopped at the Denny's in Hoffman Estates last Friday around 4 in the afternoon. They were out of bacon. It's a travesty. It's what, when you, you storm doing? out. Well, Denny's, what are you doing? What's the yeah. matter, you? At some point, your manager has to be held accountable. That's Absolutely. a fireable offense. Absolutely. We ran out of bacon. I'm not, I'm not calling for this person's dismissal. I'm just saying perhaps they're not the best person at That's their like job. That's like McDonald's saying, hey, we ran out of hamburger. We man. got no burgers. Yep, sorry. You know, you've got, you got bacon fish. on the menu. And you're a place that serves breakfast all day. Bre- one of the breakfast staples, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't think I am because I'm pretty good with my breakfast staples, bacon is one of them. Of course. It's, you, it's part of the, the A number one team of breakfast dishes, bacon and eggs. It gets first billing over the eggs, not only because it's alphabetical, but because it's better. Because it's it, bacon. You got bacon on your cheeseburgers. You got bacon in your omelets. You got bacon just as a side dish. You probably make a bacon milkshake. You can do a bacon mac and cheese too, oh, or something. I forgot about the bacon Ooh. mac and Ooh. cheese. How do I forget about that? So you're right. There could be. There's a lot of things. Oh boy, here we go. Uh, a place. Go- now this. I just saw this. Somebody texted, my vote for best spicy chicken sandwich would be a local chicken place, Fry the Coop. I just saw a a thing about them in the Trib, I think, or somewhere online. It was Fry the Coop. They were like, oh, if you haven't, didn't you get to try the Popeye's one? Now try this one. Everybody's going to have their own uh, spicy chicken sandwich favorite. I think the overall message I learned from this whole chicken experience. Oh, you learned something from this. I did. You have a takeaway. I do have a takeaway. What's your takeaway? It's the power of social media. If everyone can make this chicken sandwich trend so much, then the power of social media can make anyone rich. Think about it. They well, did. They had no advertising whatsoever. Somebody had it, and then it started trending. Boom, 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 and then it well, retweet, did, retweet. No, they had a they had a TV commercials running for it. About one hundred twenty eight million dollars they profited from that, and well, that just shows the power of social media can make one well, a company or even a person rich. That's like why. That. That's why they have influencers, social media influencers. I don't even know what that means, but I know they're out there, and I know companies are paying them. It's true. I got to be an influencer. That's why I keep, you know, I post a lot of pictures of me having a beer or a cigar. I'm hoping to become an influencer. Maybe one of these companies will finally pay attention. <laughs> oh, yeah, this guy. He's, uh, you know, 
drinking too many beers and smoking too many cigars. We got. <laughs> I guess my influencer would be the neck pillow. That would be nice. That's there a good. Go. That's a good look. There we go. Is that a Bla- Blackhawks or Bulls? Chicago Bulls. Bull- Don't get upset with me. I'm not. Upset take a tone. Come on. Tell you the tone, I couldn't. One, it's not on your neck right now. Two, I knew it was a sports franchise and it had black and red on it. So it was one of two. And I guess both teams in town that were black and red. So <laughs> I had a 50 50 shot that your neck pillow was. One looks like a hawk, one looks like a ball, though. Come on. Right. Get it, but right, again, get it right or say it twice. Well, now when I'm seeing it, I know it's the Bulls. But when I all I remember is black and red and it's not in my field of vision, I'm going to take a guess. And I guessed, you know. I guessed one, and it was, it was wrong. Oh, my goodness. Have we solved the world's problems yet? Have we solved this chicken uh, sandwich dilemma? Never. Never. Right now, you know what? I, now be, I want a chicken sandwich. Yeah, I could go for a Yeah, right sandwich. now I want a chicken sandwich. This is the problem when at this hour of the morning, when you start talking about any kind of food, and it's happened to me here before, uh, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, because, you know, haven't eaten since last night, and now it's, you know, now this is the time when... I'm normally asleep. I don't know about you. I don't know your habits. But uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm usually asleep. And then when I get up, I have breakfast. Well, now it'll be, I'm up. So it's breakfast time. I don't know what habits you're trying to say I have. I don't know if you I, stay up all night. I don't know if you sleep. I don't I, I don't sleep, know what you do. I sleep nice and tight. All right. Do it, again. With my fan on, on, not auto. Oh, you got to have it on. Oh, see, see, what I, see what I did there? I like yeah, how you brought yeah, it back. Yeah, that was very go. good. Yeah. And it is a lesson. All right. We're gonna do this, and then we're gonna then we're gonna try to. There's got to be somebody. Maybe Dave Plyer is listening. He'll bring us in some spicy chicken sandwiches. I don't know from where he's coming in to do Steve Cochran's show in an hour. Uh, you know, I don't. Maybe you know, Dave. Dave's the kind of guy he might have bought. He might have bought like a case of these uh, Popeyes and Chick Fil A sandwiches, and they're in his freezer. That man is a eventful man. He, what do you see on Facebook? That guy is he's going always doing everywhere. Something. He everywhere. does a lot of stuff. He's a popular man. Come on, Dave, take me with. <laughs> or just bring Sammy a sandwich. He's yeah, been here for 15 Chicken sandwich, hours. we'll call it even. All right, there you go. Let's do this, then it's news time, WGN. I've never dunked an Oreo in milk. How dare you? What? That's the best what? part. Are you kidding me? You... Is there anything on the package of Oreos that said dunk this in milk? Is there anything that says that's part of it? I like, get the instructions? You guys no. are all kind. That is American, sir. It's a bright idea to dunk it or to crunch The Steve Cochran Show on 720 WGN. All right, on the other side of the news, school starts for Chicago Public Schools on Tuesday. Uh, everybody focuses on the good. You know me, we got to focus on the not-so-good. A time when a teacher scarred you for life. Bad teacher experiences. We'll talk about them on the other side of the news. There we go. That's what we need. Crank it up. Brian Noonan in for Nick D, 720 WGN. Nick will be back tomorrow. He, of course, is off for Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. If you uh, have the day off, if you are getting up to go to work, or if you are still working, we're with you. Uh, We appreciate your labor. Uh, Keeping an eye on the hurricane as Dorian takes aim at the continental U.S., the eastern seaboard. We will uh, be watching that as the day goes on. They're issuing now. I'm just seeing... More evacuation warnings for uh, South Carolina as well. So, good luck, everybody, in the path of that. All right, school starts at CPS on Tuesday. I know a lot of districts have been in school for a week and a half already. Uh, We always focus on 
the new year and how everything's going to be great this year. And, you know, hope springs eternal. I was always one of those kids. I don't know how you did, Sam. Uh, every year I thought, man, this is going to be my year. It's, everything's good. I got look at these new notebooks. I got cra- brand new crayons, a backpack. I got my school shoes on. I'm ready to rock. Things are going to be good. Two weeks later, I'm like, I hate this place. I'm never coming back. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, I was an A-plus student in lunch. Oh, lunch. Good. Yeah, A-plus. Yeah. And Jim, probably. You were a wrestler, so you probably did good in P.E. Yep. As we go. Can't call it Jim now. Uh, they all P.E. Oh, yeah. All oh, physical education. I think because gym teachers got upset because they felt they, they were... They three points for you. Well, they, they yeah, they figured they weren't getting respected. But I, uh, you know, I think a gym, te- gym teacher is you know worthy of as much respect as any other teacher. But now, PE. We got what, what subject most did you like going to school for? English. You had to have English. English, yeah. English. Any, any so English and, uh, you know, language. English and reading, those kind of things. When it came to math, I was horrible. Terrible. Uh, and, uh, you know, social studies history was okay. I, here's the thing. I was one of these guys who, uh, if I had a dollar for every time a teacher told me or my parents that I wasn't living up to my potential, I'd have been retired and have lived up to, by the time I was 15, I would have lived up to my potential because I would have been rich, rich, rich beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, so that was, you know, it, it wasn't that I did, you know. I liked I liked school enough. I just didn't like doing homework. That was it. I liked going to school. I liked I was a good a good kid. I listened. I didn't cause a lot of trouble. Got a little trouble like everybody, but uh, it was the homework part. There was always something else to do. You know. Yep, I was the exact opposite as you. It, really? it, it took me to about. So you liked homework? See, no, no. Mm-hmm. I was a bad kid. Didn't do my homework. I was the class clown. You know, making everyone laugh. Really? Oh, come oh, on! Boy. You can't see that in me. By senior year, that's when I finally started getting myself together and saying, "Listen, like you got to do something." <laughs> Come on. The, and look where you ended up, working the, 72 straight hours here at WGN, <laughs> sleeping with a bull's neck pillow on a, a couch that God only knows what's going on on that couch. Don't, That's don't. been here a long time. Hopefully you put down some sort of uh, barrier. And I'm signing off. Really? Oh, your face was right on it? Is that uh, why you bring the no, neck no, pillow? No, no, no. Exactly. So I got the neck pillow. You know, okay. Lean up and lean against oh, it. Boy. It's... It's a good neck pillow. It's trendy. No, it's, I'm not. I'm not making don't hate the I, neck pillow. I'm hating the fact that you had to lay on one of those couches. Please don't remind me. All right, listen. If you if you have any sort of uh, skin irritation or mysterious bumps, make sure you get to a medical professional immediately. Couch or mail room? Take your pick. Uh, <laughs> well, the mail exactly. room, the mailroom has that nursing chair. Exactly. So if you were lactating, you could go in there. That's our, our lactation station, uh, which is was a band name. I, I chose think. couch. Yeah, this, you went for the couch. I went for the couch. I don't know, man. I would sleep. I with the neck pillow. I would have gone for the big recliner chair. Nah, I'm a little scared in there. Really? Well, it's cl- more claustrophobic. Exactly. You know, what do you think? The pens are going to come to life? What, <laughs> what are you afraid of? I, I was attacked by a ream of copy paper, and I, I've never gotten over it. And mailbox slots just make me very nervous, like somebody's going to come out of them. Sounds about right. All right. I, I don't know what would scare you. Uh, Do you ever have a teacher do something that scarred you for life? 302-981-7200. That's what we're talking about. Because I was thinking about this. because I don't know if you know this, Sam. I substitute teach. When I'm not here, and I teach, I teach little kids, uh, pre K to fifth grade. I, I don't go into middle school because they got a lot of attitude. <laughs> like but, me, right? There you go. The lot, even I, I can't imagine you being like as bad. It 
and I forget what puberty is like because, uh, but it's kids that you see at eight in the morning who are lovely. When you see them at two thirty, they want to stab you in the throat, and it's like, wait, you were we we hung out for you know first period. You were great. What changed? I'm just pubescent. You know, puberty changed me. That's why I was I was a rational human being at eight o'clock this morning. Like chicken sandwich was it like yeah, Popeyes? I didn't get a good chicken sandwich. Uh, I found out my parents leave the thermostat fan on auto. I, it was awful. My whole day is ruined, and now you're the last. You're the last hurdle between school and freedom, and I would just as soon kill you as listen to you talk to me for fifteen minutes. That's all. I've just I'm done with you. So I, I teach the little kids, but the point is you have to be very careful when you're when you're teaching. And back when I was in school, it was different. Teachers would do whatever they wanted, and you could you could get away with saying things that maybe you didn't say. And I was thinking about this because uh, the other day I was in first grade. I was teaching. I was subbing for the art teacher actually, and I'm not an artist, but I was. First grades came. First graders came in for their art class, and we were doing a, I don't know, some sort of free drawing, whatever. And I had, I made sure I kept telling these kids how good their drawings were, even though let's be honest, most of them were not. And as a parent, you know that feeling because your children will work on art projects forever, and they'll come home and they'll be very excited, and they'll hand them to you, and you look at them and you go. Boy, if you weren't my kid, I'd probably have you institutionalized because this is, this doesn't, what is this drawing supposed to be? A horse? No, the horse is not taller than the house. This this doesn't make any sense. But you can't say that. As a parent, you don't say it because you'll crush your child. And as a teacher, you're not supposed to say that kind of thing because you'll you'll kill a kid's creativity. They'll never want to come to art class again. They'll never want to draw again. They'll never want to sing again, whatever. So So I told all these kids that they were like Picasso. They're, oh, man, this is beautiful. I love it. That's all I kept saying. I don't even ask any. Here's a, here's a trick. If a little kid shows you art, never say what you think it is. Always go, that's fantastic. What is this? And then they'll tell you what it is. And you, in your mind, you go, not a chance. But out loud, you go, that's beautiful. That's the most beautiful whatever it is that you just not made. I'll never, I've, I love it. And I started, th- as I'm telling these kids these lies, uh, I started thinking back to things that teachers have said to me in the past that now I haven't been in kindergarten, let's say 20 years. (laughs) And then we laugh and we go, oh, why don't we triple that? No, I still remember Mrs. Barron was my kindergarten teacher. And I can talk about her now because she she has to be dead because I think she was 106 when I was in kindergarten. God rest her soul. She's 126 now. Maybe. If if, If she is and she's listening, well... You're on my list, all right? <laughs> you made the list. She made the list because here's the thing. Now, I'm an older man. I'm advanced, but I still remember this in kindergarten. We had, uh, you, you get these sheets, alphabet sheets, when you're learning to write your letters. And on top of the sheet, there's a picture with something that starts with that letter. So we're working on the letter M. So what do you think's at the top of this page, Sam? I'm going to give you a little quiz. I'm going to see how insightful you are. We're working on M. What's a word that's uh, something that starts with an M? Magic. Mm, no. How about, what's a picture of magic for a kindergarten kid? <laughs> Monkey, Sam. Monkey. Think, think kindergarten. Monkey, all right? Monkey. Monkey. So or, or if the house is in the distance, the horse may appear larger. You don't know the artist's intentions. 
I'm pretty sure I know the kindergarten kids' intentions, but I, I get your point if uh, the are. So anyway, I draw my M's, I do my printing, and then at the top, I draw the monkey. And I vividly remember this. I colored the monkey black with a yellow face. I've said I'm not a good artist. I also obviously don't know what monkeys look like. But I colored the monkey black with a yellow face. And being a kindergartner who has other things to worry about than the constraints that the man puts on my creative freedom of coloring, I colored outside the lines. Act of rebellion or pure laziness or lack of artistic ability. You can pick whichever one. I'll go with I was fighting the power. So I I I, I didn't scribble. But there was some outside the line. I was probably in a hurry thinking, this is dumb coloring a monkey. It's almost nap time. And then I got some graham crackers with my name on them. I got things to do. So coloring a monkey is way down on my bucket list of, hey, let's figure it out. Anyway, Mrs. Barron collects all the papers. Then she gives them back and we're going to take them home. Across the top of my paper, and Sam, as God is my witness, this is a true story. Across the top of my paper, in red pen, she wrote, poor. <laughs> now, again, I haven't been in kindergarten in a long, long time. But I still remember this vividly. And I take it home to my parents, who were both educators. My mom was a teacher at that point. My dad was a principal. They used to hang, my bro- I have four brothers, they would hang our artwork all over the kitchen. It looked like the worst art gallery in the history of, of art galleries. <laughs> this was like, if, if you decided to do an anti-art gallery, that was our kitchen. Welcome, but to their credit, they hung it all up. Welcome to the Noonans. Yeah, it was great. It was nice. They hung up our, our work. I thought, man, you know, little kindergarten me is like, this is, this is not going to be good. You know, poor, I... I don't know much, but I know poor is not, hey, this is fantastic. I take it home, and to their credit, my mom and dad both went, well, she shouldn't have written that on your paper. Try to stay in the lines. And you know what they did? They hung up that piece of art. They hung up that paper in the kitchen. I swear to God, they hung it up. And so they made it a little better, but I'll never forget that. Never. So I don't know if you have one of these stories that you would like to share, a teacher that you want to call to the carpet. I have a couple more. Uh, Of course I do. My life, I've been put upon my entire life. So think if you have one of these, Sam. We'll get to that. First, got to do the weather because, uh, you know, everybody wants to know the weather. Today is Labor Day. Areas of low clouds and fog early. Uh, Temperatures will start up in the upper 50s in the outlying areas to mid-60s downtown. Uh, They will rise over the day to a low, the low 80s inland, low 70s along the beaches. Tonight, isolated late e- day, evening thunderstorms may pop up. Most areas will stay dry. For Tuesday, first day of school for CPS, temperatures reach the upper 80s. Oh, it's going to be hot. Scattered thunderstorms develop in the afternoon and early evening, especially uh, from the city north. Some could be severe. And on Wednesday, it's going to cool off and we're going to feel like it's fall. The sun will... Did you write this? Or did you I just chopped it did up. you just print it? Printed and chopped it up. Printed, printed and chopped it. Printed and chopped it. All right. Well, it says here, sun is going to dominate the day. Dominate. Dominate. 
Uh, could get a little cloudy in the midday, upper 60s, low 70s. If you want to know what it's going to be like Thursday, just uh, pay attention on Wednesday and know it's going to be the same that day. Right now, <laughs> 61 at O'Hare, 63 at Midway, 65 along the lake. Oh, uh, we'll have uh, a bunch so, of fragments there. Some more things. School. More things that teachers have said that scarred your life. We'll do it after this on WGN. Brian Noonan on 720 WGN, here for Nick. Nick will be back tomorrow. Dave Plyer coming up at 5 o'clock. <laughs> you are flailing like a maniac. Is everything all right? Yeah, your There's board fatigue. is locked, so I, I can't How control How is my board locked? I don't know what that means. I couldn't control I have no nothing. idea what that means. I was out of control there. I so see. I like, I, man, you're losing your mind. I am. Uh, we're talking about uh, the beginning of school and how sometimes teachers say things that uh, stick with kids. You know, you and I, I know, listen, I love teachers, and I know a lot of them say really inspiring things, very positive things that stay with their students for the rest of their lives, which is what we hope, you know, what we hope for. But sometimes teachers say things or do things, and uh, they may not even know that uh, these little comments stick with kids. And I, you know, now people post stuff on Facebook all the time or, or on the Internet. If, if a teacher does something out of out of bounds a little bit. Now there was a story a, a little while ago about a teacher who wrote pathetic on some kid's paper, almost like my poor from Mrs. Barron on my coloring page. But uh, you know, now we now teachers can be publicly shamed, which I don't think is the right thing to do. If something like that happens, you just go talk to the teacher. But they you forget. So it's you know as as. The teachers are enjoying for some their last day of summer vacation or just starting another year. You got to be you got to be careful because you don't listen. Here's what you don't want: you don't want in thirty years a guy like me railing about something that happened to him in kindergarten. One, because it shows that I really need to get over stuff. Three, two, you don't want to be that teacher. You don't want to be the one getting called out, like Mrs. Connor, my second grade teacher, who took my pack of uh, football cards and never gave them back to me. They weren't even out on the desk, Sammy. They were in a folder. I knew, listen, I knew you don't take football cards out in school, you know? So we're there, second grade, we're about to do some cursive writing. I don't know why all my bad things happened during writing, but I was about to get something out of my folder, and she walked by, and she sees my stack of football cards with the rubber band around them jammed in my folder, and she took them. Oh, Never got no. them back. Why do I still remember that? Because she owes me like three fifty. Yeah. And, of course, she's dead. I'm not going to collect. I don't know where she's at. See, the difference is, like, you probably didn't say nothing. And then of me, course if, I didn't say anything. I would have said something. In second which, grade, you would have said something? I, see, I wasn't the brightest person growing up. You seem like a kid who'd be a little mouthy. i got to be honest. I was that a little mouthy. That, that's not about intelligence. It just seems like your character. Like, you'd, you'd go, hey, where are my football cards? That, exactly. And that's kind of leads me to my story. Like, yeah. I had one teacher named Mr. Cortina, and that's the one teacher that always got to me just no matter what the situation was he could put me in my place and finally i was on my last strike of like just i was gonna get kicked <laughs> out i was gonna get kicked out of school i mean i was still in the teacher's is this golf. high school or grade this school? is like middle school a little in the high school like oh my god yeah so he was my middle school counselor then he ended up moving to the high school so he followed me <laughs> couldn't get rid of couldn't shake him off so he was still following me but i was on my last strike and like finally I, he broke me he just 
finally broke me. He's like, you know, you, you have a lot of people that influence you and you people feed off you. Why not use that into a positive energy? Wow. Start using it to a negative energy. And from there, I just kind of took off and ran of it. And now, See, but that's an inspiring story. It is. And now I work around Chicago area with nonprofit organizations, helping them build money and repetition for their, their co- stuff. So, I mean, it's just... It just shows you that, I mean, you could grow up and be, like, the most meanest kid. Because I'll tell you, I was not the brightest kid of them all. But after years and years of frustration, I turned it into a positive. I would like to see you as a second-grade Sammy. I think that would be troublesome. I think, uh, you know, you, you'd, you'd, be spot a, on. you'd be a handful. As we say, as the teacher said, you'd be a challenge. I was a challenge. A challenge. A challenge and a half. Let's wow, say. That's, yeah, uh, that's not good. It's not good. But it's good that you had somebody who inspired you. I had I had a few teachers like that too, you know, uh, f- who who made a difference. So that's I I always give them credit. But now I I felt like sometimes you got to call out the one. You, you, people need a reminder that what you say to kids, they don't always forget. You know, you think oh, they're little, they're not paying attention, they'll forget. Eh. You know, not if they're like me, not if they're psychotic. And they're going to hold on to this, hold on to this ball. Maybe it's maybe it's that ball of fury. Maybe it's the, the you know, four letters written in red ink when I was in kindergarten has shaped me into the uh, just the uh, you know, miserable cuss that I've become. Maybe that's maybe that's the key. Maybe if we could go back in time. People always talk about going back and, uh, you know, killing baby Hitler. If they could go back in time. Maybe we go back and before Mrs. Barron writes that on my paper, she takes a second and she goes, just okay. Okay would have been fine. You're not pray- You know, that could have changed the whole course of my, uh, my life. Nope. Poor. No, poor. <laughs> poor. Poor. Your effort is poor. Your artistic endeavor. Everything is poor. There'll never be anything, Martino. Nothing. Yeah, see? How's it feel? Exactly. Uh, oh, my goodness. All right. We got I've been giving myself a headache. It's, uh, it's late. It's going to be 4.30. That means I think it's still Don in the news. I, I should know it's still Don because there's nobody in the seat. <laughs> so in about about a minute, he'll come running back over there. After after the news, we're going to talk about... All right, got to ask a question. This is silly, but it's a holiday. Fire away. It's, uh, it's a question. We'll talk about dwindling sports, but we also have to talk about uh, activities... If you're renting an Airbnb or someone's house, I saw this. I saw this dear Abby, and I laughed for a number of reasons. Uh, so we will talk about that. It's a. It's a. What would you do, and how would you? How do you respond when you're staying at someone else? Basically, staying in someone else's house. Well, I got a good right. one, and this is. Uh, and I will say that this is a couple that is. Uh, I think they said seventy-five. Um, yeah. So it's fun. Very fun. All right, let's uh, let's do this. Then we'll do that, and then we'll start. Uh, we're looking to the Sam. Your three hundred twelve hour nonstop radio marathon is almost over. Yeah, but there's a there's a problem to that is because I didn't want to drive here, so I took the train, and the next train out is eight twenty. So I'm stuck. here. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm stuck here. Too. Where do you live? Uh, that you had to take a train that only runs once every you know millennia. Yeah, uh, I'm from Woodridge. So, so you got to go to. Oh no. Yeah, it's not it's not that far, but I didn't want to leave my car here for over thirty something hours, and then oh. you know that that uh, parking fee is not too good here in Chicago. No. I mean, they at least in the building they always round it up. You, you get to twelve hours, but uh, nope. you know, not that's not me. enough for you today. Nope, that's insane. No, that's, ju- that's just wrong. We got to talk to management. No, no, that's cool. I like it. 
I'm sure you do. At least he didn't put me to sleep. Well, give you give you an excuse to bring that fashionable neck pillow into the office. It's trendy. What it's can I say? It's very nice. I Come wish on, I had man. one now. Listen, I I'm all for anything that's trendy. Uh, anytime. Look at me. I'm I'm nothing if not trendy. Hey, I'm no probably beard? the trendiest. No, the, no, the beard's been gone for a while. I know that. The beard left after Mardi Gras, <laughs> but I think it, I think it's coming back from Mardi Gras because I loved how it looked when I dyed it half green and half purple. In I, got, New Orleans. I got no beard. I got something else. You got a yeah. I noticed the mustache. I noticed that. Uh, how's that porn career going? All right? Everything working out? It's going pretty good. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, it must be. You're supporting it with this. Nice side hustle. Thanks, Don. Have a good morning. Good seeing you. Now, uh, is, this your, is this your last cast, Don, or are you, uh, are you still here for the uh, five? I'm here until 6 a.m. Oh, okay. Well, we'll talk to you at five. Party. No, oh yeah, because it's the hot. So you, the newsroom is on holiday schedule too. We got a lot of lot of uh, or different shifts. Yeah, much much labor. All right. Well, keep laboring. You're doing a hell of a job. Thank you. Don't labor too hard. I'm only laboring for about 24 more minutes. Then Dave Plyer will pick up his uh, hammer and sickle and labor until nine o'clock. Uh, he's in for Steve Cochran today. I saw this in uh, Dear Abby, and I laughed and laughed. Uh, it says, "My wife and I are retired and fortunate to travel throughout the year." We prefer to stay in homes, either through a home exchange or home rental by owner. So we've all stayed at, maybe you haven't, most of us have stayed at uh, VRBOs or we've uh, Airbnbs or what have you. We've all stayed at hotels. Uh, the question from this uh, this guy is, uh, he said, well, uh, to put it mildly, his wife gets randy when they're in a new location. And so uh, she tries to initiate things, and he does not feel comfortable doing it in someone else's bed. Because he feels that he is disrespecting that person's home. And so he asked Abby if it was disrespectful. Because his wife claims it's the same as a hotel room. Um, And I just thought, huh, that's an interesting conundrum. I would have never... Because you never think... Or I, I never do. I never question it if you're at a hotel, right? And basically, that's a bed that God only knows... A hotel bed is the equivalent of uh, Sam sleeping on the couch in the back of this uh, studio. A lot has gone on on those beds, and yet we don't we don't have any trouble, you know, doing that. Have you ever stayed in an Airbnb, Sam? You're very busy. Uh, he's doing. I don't know what he's doing back there. You working hard? All right, I was talking to you. <laughs> That's okay. Don't worry about it. I. I like staying in Airbnbs, but I'm uncomfortable a little bit because unless you can tell it's just somebody a place that somebody rents all the time. But we've I've stayed in a couple where you can tell the people live there part of the time, and then they're just renting it out at certain times, and then it's a little freaky. But my answer to these people would be, yeah, go ahead. Do it up. Have some fun. Why not? Do it. Do you disagree? I don't. I love, I like, one, I like that retired, you know, they're retired, and the wife is still, uh, you know, still getting all randy, but uh, the one of the reasons I uh, get nervous around these uh, Airbnbs these beds, is because I'm very tall, and so a lot of people have these footboards on their beds, making their beds very short, which bothers me. We seem to be, uh, is there a technical problem that I need to be aware of? There's Sam, no is something problem. going on? What's there's a? It's a beehive of activity in there. We've got uh, beehive of activity with our fine engineering staff. Bob Ferguson running in here, Ferguson. slamming things on my board. I don't know what's happening. I'm very nervous. I don't know what's going on. You nervous? I like to. Well, I like to know what's going on. 
I see a lot of concerned looks. And we're still on the air, aren't we? We are. Are we on the air? All right. Listen. We do it live. Did you? Yeah, sure, Casey or uh, O'Reilly. We're gonna do it live. Did you ever? Uh, did you ever stay at an Airbnb or a, a VRBO? I did in March, actually. Oh and yeah. This was in Tampa, Florida. How was that? Oh my gosh! Uh, a lot of palmetto. My bugs. girlfriend at the time booked it. Oh, at the time. At the time. Oh boy. Booked it, and uh, that was probably the biggest regret ever because we show up and she did good. We it's just big mansion, you know. Really? A million dollar mansion. She wait fought, a minute. Uh, uh, just hold on. I gotta get All to right. the thing. Okay. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, it's good. So we show up. It's a big mansion, pool. You know, it looks amazing. For two of you? For two of us. All right. So first things first. I'm like, all right, let's meet the guy. Guys, nowhere to be found. Just like, come in. You know, just make yourself. The landlord home. guy you're talking. Landlord. About. In, yeah. And he never, never, never showed himself. Okay. And then the second thing is, there's a bunch of random people coming in and out of the house, just like. I don't know who they are. And honestly, the house looked like a cartel house. Like, it looked one of those. Really? You look up from the pool, it has one of those, like, stripper things, you know, where the strippers dance in the... in the uh, A pole or yeah, a cage? No, it's like, a, you know, where the DJ booth is, and they got, like, the glass. I don't hang out the places you hang out, Sam. Okay, I'm well, not, I'm... what of it? Short story short, it was a, it looked like a cartel house, and okay. random people are coming in and out of the house. I didn't, I didn't meet the owner for two days. And so we're staying at this guy's house. Had you and, rented just a room? It was a room, but like we had access to the kitchen and like the downstairs floor, but like you couldn't go upstairs. And this guy would not like present himself. I would text him; he wouldn't respond. We're not present. That's himself. too weird. And that's why I say it was. But too you were weird. able to get in there, right? You we were able to get in there. And it was a big, big house, but the guy would not show himself. It took that's... two days, two days to see this. Was guy. he living there? He was there the whole time. He has people, really? people coming in and out. Of was the he house watching? And... Uh, did it, Did you look around your room for? Because that's a big thing now. Cameras in these VRBOs or Airbnbs. People are putting cameras in these bedrooms to spy on it so one thing i did take was a safety class so you could fill like the walls or something so you I, took, where'd you take a safety class i took it with, with my uh my former wrestling coach he's a safety major and stuff so he showed me like ways that's a could, major he's a major yeah it's safety uh, uh, don't uh, listen don't look at me like you're a career counselor and I'm some uh, I ain't no career imbecile. Counselor. <laughs> what the, I had never heard of safety as a major. Yeah, so like, look both ways before you cross the street. Here's yeah, your bachelor's degree. Stuff like you know, if you're walking with your wife or something, where do you stand? Like, do you know where you stand? Yeah, on the, uh, next to the street. Next to your street, behind, while she's in front to the front right. Safety. So then you have an advantage. If someone comes forward, you can run forward. But then you also have the backside. Well, what if I don't want to be looking at my wife's backside? <laughs> that seems rude. The whole point what is if, if someone walk, came what up. What if I next to her? You know, so I'm not supposed to walk next to her? I'm you, you can, but if you want to do safety purposes, wow. you're supposed to be standing to the right. You can. If you don't love your wife and want her to get murdered, you could walk right exactly. next to her. These are little safety. How far, how far back? Should I send her like a block ahead? No, just to surveil, feet, So I could surveil know? her? Just no, just a couple feet in front of you to couple the left. Feet. So then you you have your your whole guard. It's all about protection schemes. All right. So this is a major. This this is a major at college at a college. I'm, I'm not at like an accredited listen, university. I'm a TV and radio degree, so I have no. I, I, I've just never heard of it. Okay. Like so you're say you you take this safety class. Yes. And what do they teach you when you go into a house? What are you supposed to do? What were you doing? Just how did you put this? How did you put this into just a check, practice? Check belongings, like you know, like you said, cameras, or like if there's a wall, like you could fill the wall, you could fill if something's in the wall, or just little <laughs> stupid stuff, booby traps and stuff, like the little stuff. <laughs> 
I know you said it was a cartel, looking like a cartel house, but do you think there were booby traps? Or do you think there was a tripwire? Brian, if I... What are you in the jungle? I'm going to show you this house, and you're going to be like, wow, it's a nice house. But then if you look inside and just the way it it was walking around and stuff, you would not believe how sketchy this house is. So how did you check for booby traps? I just... Looked around, did my hardcore search. What are you looking open, at? Open cabinets, looked through, you know, storage areas and stuff. Wow. Stuff, and, you know. If it so you're like a, a you're a nosy Nelly, is what you are. Uh, of course, I mean, I'm going to do anything to protect myself to make sure <laughs> I'm in, not in some weird place. <laughs> you were staying at a cartel house. You were I staying felt at, like that. You were yeah. staying at Scarface's house, and you're worried about. I'm going to check for booby traps. I, I mean, I don't know. There's people coming in and out of the house. That's and they weird. Don't, they don't say hi, and may, some of them didn't even know English. So it's just no, like, that's weird. I would not want to stay in a place like that where there was free, free flowing traffic. I've never stayed in one where the the landlord or the owner was actually living there. I've stayed in I've stayed in numerous ones, but there was never anybody around. Usually, the owner comes and meets you and gives you the keys or tells you the code on the door, or whatever, and then ski daddles. I've never had them like I would I would never do that. I would never just rent a room in somebody's house while they're there. That's I'll rent the whole house, you know, because that's how I roll. But. but Blame the girlfriend at the time. Yeah, is that I, why you broke up? Yeah, maybe. But the question becomes: Would you? Did you? Did you? Did you feel weird about using the bed? I mean, the whole time I felt weird. I yeah, mean, that's uh, true. You, you all right? That's an odd situation. We can't. Uh, you're not a good baseline for this. Plus, your safety class uh, puts the whole thing in. Uh, in question. You've never like done anything like safety related, like I guess I martial over- arts or anything like to protect yourself or just safety precaution, like any of that. No. No. I mean, I I figure I could, you know, unless somebody comes at me with a gun, I could, you know. Basic one hundred and one. If someone grabs your wrist, what do you do? You twist away. Yeah. Out. Yeah. And grab his wrist. Right. There right. we go. Okay. Well, listen, kung fu. Okay. I got you. I, I got you. I, I, I've been in a couple scraps, Sammy. I've been around. I'm not, you know, I haven't always been the uh, jovial radio host you see sitting before you. I've, you know, I've done some things. I can take care of myself. I'm you know, sure you I've can. lived this long, uh, you know, and quite frankly, this is good enough. It is. <laughs> so if, I, if somebody booby traps my hotel room and I don't see it, uh, I had a good run. Listen, I was frightened you know, for my life. If I'm in a Ramada Inn and I get taken out by a tripwire, well, you know, really. It's just like, you know, good you story. have to be the, the strong person, but you're, right. deep down you're, you're showing a little fear and you can't give, you know, I couldn't give my girlfriend at the no, time. No, the girlfriend fear, at the time. Then, I love then, that you keep saying at the time. Yeah. At I mean, the time. I got to call it how it is, right? Right. No, listen, I, you're a guy who trades up, trades up or down. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you trade it in. Upgrade. Did you upgrade? Good for you. Yeah, always got to upgrade. Nobody, nobody buys an old car. No. You know, you buy a, a, a better car. car. You always yeah. got to be better. Better, See, that better. was the, to almost the beginning in 2019. Now we're at the end of 2019. So. Well, we're still we're only about three quarters of the way through 2019. Yeah, we're still close to the end. Close enough to the end for you? Yeah. Past the halfway mark, you call it? Yeah, I think you have a weather report to read. Yeah, it's right in my hand. Well, I can't really read it because it's just a series of hieroglyphics and craziness. <laughs> Fragments I'm just broken getting, right. down, and you can word it how you want to word it. All right. Listen, all I really need is the numbers. You know what it's going to be today, folks? It's going to start out cloudy. It's going to be in the 50s. It's going to get up to the low 80s. 70s along the beaches. Tonight, it's going to get maybe a thunderstorm. Who knows? It may pop up. Most areas are not going to see any. Don't worry about it. Tomorrow, temperatures are going to get into the upper 80s. Uh, Scattered thunderstorms may develop in the afternoon or evening uh, north of the city. Uh, Some could be severe. Wednesday, gorgeous. 
if you like fall weather, because it's going to only get up to the upper 60s, low 70s. Uh, Thursday, because it was so nice on Wednesday, we're just going to do it again. Uh, 61 right now at O'Hare, 63 at Midway, 65 along the lake. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, some surprising numbers in high school sports as we get ready to say a goodbye and say hello to Dave Plyer. He's coming in at 5 o'clock. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the program. Dave Plyer coming your way on the other side of the news. Thank you, Sammy. Try to, you know, get some rest. Go home. For uh, you, This is not a place to stay, even with a cool neck pillow. All right? It's uh, Chicago Stories, told 24-7 on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users, just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn. The news is sponsored by Associated Bank. It is 5 o'clock. Here's Don Kleppen.